When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Hot Radio 77. WABC. going on a Thursday morning. Welcome back, New York City. This is the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in the country, the number one Nielsen-rated news talk morning show in New York City. We are the Bernie and Sid in the morning show here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Well, Stephanie Mills got uh, Lou Rafino and Luke Legrano all pumped up dancing as they uh, do most mornings. We do a lot of dancing on this show. How does that not move you? That's... Come on. It's really good, right? Yeah. I know. I all about that song. That one, and she does, uh, the other one she does is... Um, never, knew, never knew love like that. Exactly song, right. right. And when I was a kid, I went to see the musical on Broadway for your friend Michael Riedel. I went to see The Wiz, and Stephanie Mills actually played the lead the lead part. The part the, that... Uh, Dorothy. Yes, Dorothy. That's right. Uh, what's her name who played it in the... Um... Uh, J- Judy Garland. Very good. So there you have it. There you have <laughs> it, right, folks. Pat, Michael would be proud. <laughs> he would be proud. <laughs> it is a, a Thursday morning and the crew is here. No Bernard. He'll be back on Monday. We've been over this. He's back at Sloan Kettering, round three. I have not spoken to Bernie in two days. I have no updates, but we know what's going on. He's there. Carol's there. I guess his kids are there. And uh, he'll go through this through tonight. And he goes home usually tonight, Thursday night, rests up on Friday. Doesn't feel well tomorrow. And uh, we'll be back here on Monday. And then we're going to reevaluate. As far as I know, the doctors will reevaluate next week whether or not to continue with more chemotherapy or if, in fact, Bernard will be done with three rounds. So we'll find that out, I guess, sometime next week. We love Bernie. We miss Bernie. Certainly the outpouring of love from all of you guys is inspiring and means a lot to him and me uh, but we move on and we put on two great shows and we've got two more great shows about to come your way i have to tell you today could be one of the all-time greats you know i haven't spoken to this guy in a long time i don't think this guy likes me 
And I was kind of confused when his producer reached out to me to come on, but that's where I am these days, Lou. I got the juice. Now people come to me. Remember the old days of Imus? He would just sit there. People would call him and come to him. I'm starting to get some of that. Not, not Listen, I'm not that arrogant, but hey, look, some of that. You're going out to California. You're, going, you're doing a movie. <laughs> I'm lucky I'm even in the same floor with you uh, right now. Oh, come on. Yeah, no. Oh, I, you know, talking about that, something that we talked about yesterday, Lou, I want to get to it later because it did bother me last night. But um, this uh, Judge Napolitano used to come on I Miss the Show quite a bit, and he was um, he was friends with Mike Gunzelman. Remember uh, Gunzy at the old place over there? <laughs> what a good, great twosome right there. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Judge and Guns. Well, uh, well, you know, there's an old uh, rumor, I guess, that way back when Merv Griffin the great Merv Griffin, used to drive around Ryan Seacrest in the back seat of his car. And uh, a young Ryan Seacrest, and that's how oh, a multimillionaire, he's in everything, everything. That's how he started to become the star, the wealthy guy he is today, hanging out with Merv. And I used to make that comparison with Gunzelman and Napolitano. <laughs> gets close. Because <laughs> I think the judge is, is an outward gay guy, right? I think so, right? He, he's, I I think well, so. Now, he well, is. now he is. Hey, folks, if you didn't know, I think it's, I think <laughs> yeah. it's out there. Right? Yeah, it's but, out there. <laughs> so I used to make that joke, but but he would never come on with me and Bernard. It was always a pain in the ass. I'm like, what's up with the judge? I guess. Long story short, Fox News moved on from him. We haven't seen him in like a couple of years. And his producer Gary reached out to me yesterday and said, "Hey, you want the judge?" I said, "Sure." Judge is all fired up. Zelensky, Putin, Biden, the whole thing, you know. So he'll join us uh, coming up at seven. He's going to be great then. You know, this guy, uh, people can start to think it's, it's personal at this point. <laughs> but Curtis Sliwa is a complete psycho. Nobody loves Curtis more than me. One of the reasons why I'm here right now this morning, we've been over this a million times, was Curtis. You know, Chad Lopez is a guy that ultimately pulled the trigger on bringing me back to New York. You know the story. Mike McVeigh and Doug Milner, or Dave Milner, and Don Imus and a host of others did not want me back. They thought it was too risky. They all thought I was great, but he's too risky. He's this, he's that, all that nonsense. And Chad was like, wait wait a second. I worked with Sid at WFAN, CBS. I know he's got a loyal, big audience in New York. I know he generates revenue. He generates content. I'm bringing him back. And Chad ultimately made that decision. But there were folks along the way, Bernard, Jill Vitale, uh, Curtis Sliwa, Pete Morgan, that stuck their head in the office and said, you got, uh, you got to bring Sid back. you got to bring him back. And Curtis was one of those guys. Uh, Curtis went on a great rant a couple of weeks ago when I left early one day to go to Officer Rivera's funeral about what really happened here in getting me and Bernie that midday show and Geraldo left, the real truth. So I love Curtis. But this guy wakes up every day, every day, waiting for Eric Adams to do something stupid. More than me. Look, I- I'm very critical of Eric Adams. We know that. I don't really particularly like Eric. Nothing personal. He's always always been very nice to me. In fact, at one point, Eric will be the first to admit this, we got along great. He was out with me and Bernie quite a bit, especially early in the pandemic, and he couldn't have been nicer. But I watched his campaign. It was nonsense. It was, if you want me to say this, I'll say this. Democrat, Republican, Independent, White, Black, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. And since he's taken over, all I hear is, give him more time. Okay, I'll give him more time. It's been three months. And three months from now, then what? But I don't wake up angry at Eric Adams. This guy, Curtis, because he lost the election, he is psychotic. So I get emails and text messages 
Oh, there's Eric Adams hanging out with these uh, at some restaurant. There's Eric Adams at the nightclub. There's Eric Adams. Curtis, baby, sweetheart, you're a legend. You started the Guardian Angels. You're a radio hall of famer. I am the last guy to give other people credit for being good on the air. I'll give you the credit. You're great. You're great. You're made. What are you worried about? All right, he won. You ran as a Republican in a blue city. It ain't easy. You kicked the living daylights out of Fernando Mateo, which was very, very impressive. You know, you just got to let it go just a little, but he won't. And the good news is that makes him a great radio guest. All right, so hold on. You're, you're, you're going after him for being obsessive about somebody else. That's right. That's right. you. This is see. This is it. Always happens this way. (laughs) I'm just. I'm just making sure I heard you correctly. It's. It's. You're 100 percent right. Okay. And and let me give you the the perfect analogy to what you're saying. Here's the difference. So I admit it. So way back when, when I first came back to New York, I couldn't stand Trump. I couldn't stand him though, and I did not vote for him back in 2016. I voted for that wretch. That wicked witch, Hillary Clinton. I remember, actually. You remember? That's yep, right. I we remember worked, how you were. We yeah. worked together. Sure. I'm like, this guy's a moron. I know Trump of 25 years. You guys out there that call the station and get mad at me, you don't know Trump. I know him. He was on my show 100 times. Boxing, football, Mike Tyson fights in Vegas. I know the guy. Okay? And the guy could be a dick, to be honest. But at the end of the day, when it came to running for president, it wasn't enough that I hated Obama, which I did. I couldn't stand Obama and or Clinton to vote for Trump. And I watched him campaign, and he wore a stupid red hat. By the way, I've got five of those hats now. I love it. And he nicknamed everybody, you know, silly nicknames, low-energy jab and uh, big hands, Mark, whatever the hell it was, and he's going to build a wall. And that's it. That's all I heard. That's all I heard for six of He was awful in debates. I don't care what you guys tell me. Bernie can talk to these blue in the face. We've had these arguments. He was awful. And I really thought we were going to be in big trouble either way, but I went with Hillary. Here's the difference. Thank you. You're fired. Yes. Well, thank you, Mr. Trump. Here's the difference of why I'm an adult and most of you are not. Even with all that said, when he won, and I was in Washington, D.C. that morning with Danielle, she's being sworn in by the Supreme Court, and Bernie and Jill were breaking my balls. I said, listen, I got two young kids. I need Trump to succeed. I'm rooting for the guy. And what happened? I became a huge Donald Trump fan. My book which you can buy right now, Amazon.com. It is selling very, very well, very well. It's right now the number one new release. Is really a testament to Donald Trump. If you love Trump, you're going to love my new book, Citizens United. Go buy it today, Amazon.com. Go buy it right now. If you love Trump, you're going to love the book. I came around. And for as unimpressed as I was during his campaign, I was floored by how good he was at the job. He was great. And then they railroaded him, the COVID or the other nonsense. But for three and a half years, this guy was not good, magnificent. And he said a ton of stupid things, stupid. Guy stood out there on you know, Bastille Day in front of the graves in France and was ripping Nancy Pelosi with dead soldiers behind him. You know, stupid tweets and all that. God, who cares? He was a great president. But I would go on the air, Lou, to your point and say, this guy, all he does is talk about himself. He's, he's completely cut off from reality. And Bernie would just look at me. I go, what are you looking at? And Bernie would say, Sid, Sid, that's you. And hmm. I'd be like, hmm. yeah. I was like, oh, my God, you're right. 
Wait, you needed Bernie to point that I out I did. To you. I did. Yes. 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 But at least when he did, Lou, you got to give me credit. I said, oh, my God, you're right. How could I be critical of Trump when, in essence, I'm exactly like the guy? I'm loud. I'm boisterous. I'm arrogant. I'm brash. I'm confident. I'm all those things that annoy all you mediocre people out there. I call you edgy. That's how I. Oh, that, that's very sexy. Yeah, it is. I like that. Yeah, it's how sexy you look right now. <laughs> edgy, okay. sexy. You know, you're so nice to me. You know, you really are. Seriously, it's great to have you back, but you've been so nice to me, so thank you for that. I'll take edgy and sexy over boisterous, arrogant, brash, and dicky. Well, that's coming in a few weeks. Oh, I know. See, I know the real Lou Ruffino. This is the honeymoon period. The honeymoon period. Eventually, it's going to be like, oh, God, Sid, shut up. No, the real one loves you. Oh, that's the, all there is to oh, it. Oh, okay, good. No, that shit goes down from there. <laughs> that's how it goes. But you did nail me just now. You're exactly right. I, I am exactly like that, and I have a habit of calling out people for being the way I am, which is probably a flaw, but I love it about myself. Uh, then, of course, it is Thursday, so Bill O'Reilly's going to be here. That is the highlight of the week. You know, in this uh, crazy business, we actually we get ratings, you know, Nielsen ratings. And if you haven't heard, <laughs> we are the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show mornings in New York City. We beat WFAN, ten ten wins, CBS 880, you name it, we beat them. We beat them. Um, and we've been having a pretty good run for, for a while now of doing that. Uh, but they actually rate this show every day. We've got graphs and all kinds of things, and we have these post-show meetings. And every day, every day, they tell us how we're doing. And you can see segment by segment. This is really inside baseball, I know. Segment by segment how well or not well we're doing. Bill O'Reilly every week, he, it goes through the roof. The graph goes through the roof. He's the guy. He's coming on at 840. But I must tell you, that I have been around a while now, over 20 years, Bernie 30. And I've interviewed a lot of folks. Because don't forget, while Bernie was with Imus, I was hosting my own shows down in Miami for the better part of 10 years, interviewing presidential you know, uh, nominees, uh, excuse me, uh, not nominees, guys running for president, senators, congressmen, entertainers, ball players, all of that myself. I wasn't part of the Imus show. I was doing my own thing. But I've never had the chance ever to talk to Tim Tebow. And there's something about Tebow that really, really uh, interests me. I heard his interview the other day with uh, Carton and Roberts. And what did they do? They, and it was, it was good. It was very good. But they talked about the Jets and they talked about the Mets. I don't care. Great. He, he's a tr- tremendous athlete. The guy won championships in Florida, played baseball, played football. To me, the person that is Tim Tebow, the guy that because he loves Jesus, because he's a God-bearing Christian, because he didn't bang every chick in Gainesville because he could have, but because he's a religious man that was really taken to task for that, that's the guy that I want to get to know. Not the guy who played for the Jets and the Mets and all that nonsense. But I'm a sports guy. So I'm really excited to talk to Tim Tebow coming up at 940 today. So I think, uh, Lou, I laid out a, uh, a pretty good show there, no? Those four guests? I'm, I'm not leaving. You're not leaving anyway. No. You're getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) And I love you, so I'm staying. I love you, too. We got a big show. Lou Rufino is here today. Luke Lograno is here today. Justin Ellick. Frankie Diaz with an E. Deb Valentine's got your news. We got your sports. We got it all for you. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Also, make sure you download this show on the free 77 WABC app. Listen to Bernie and Sid and all the programming all day long, any city, any state, any country around the world. And, of course, with Gabby Lopez, who I love dearly, Eric Salas, Crystal, the whole crew, Kathy, make sure you are watching us 
right now. This radio show is simulcast on television at WABCRadio.TV, WABCRadio.TV. Four great guests, Lydia Reports, Beat Sid, all that and more. (laughs) Don't go anywhere, folks. A great Thursday show comes back right after this. Thursday morning, welcome back. Judge Napolitano, Curtis Lee, Bill O'Reilly, and Tim Tebow all set to stop by on this uh, big Thursday morning. So the news stories still the same. It's still Ukraine and Russia. Every day is a different atrocity that Putin commits. If you read today's New York Post, and that is the only paper that me and Bernie read every day in New York. I'll read the Daily News once. It's trash. It's trash. But I'll read it once in a while. The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, good paper, but too smart for me. The New York Post, I read every day, every day. So today, of course, they give you all the photos of a maternity hospital that Putin and the Russians attacked yesterday. So uh, what are you reading about every day? They're killing moms. They're killing kids. Going back to the video that we talked about with Bo Deedle a couple of days ago. So the more heinous the crime, the uglier it is the more time we spend on because we all have this morbid curiosity, which we just can't help. It's the borders on gross. And I, and I don't, uh, I don't watch a lot of this stuff when I leave. In fact, I don't watch any of it. I'll be honest with you. When I leave here at the end of my day, I go to the gym. I spend time with my son. I spend time with my daughter. I watch a lot of TV with Danielle. We fool around quite a bit. You know, I don't, uh, I don't get caught up in all this stuff. I'm not watching bombs hitting hospitals and civilians. And I, I just can't do it. Doesn't mean I'm not sensitive to it. Doesn't mean it doesn't bother me. Doesn't mean I'm not angry and upset. I just can't do it. I can't do it. But I come to work in the morning. I get here very, very early. Not as early as Lou and, uh, and my, my crew, Luke and Justin and the guys. But I read about all of it. I see it, and it's really gross. And that is the big story today there that Putin bombed a maternity hospital yesterday, and Zelensky, who's become this hero of the world, deservedly so, really shows a tremendous amount of courage and bravery every day. He is pissed, Zelensky. He mad. He mad everybody. The whole West. He mad at Biden. I guess Biden promised these um, MiG-29 fighter jets that were supposed to be delivered to the Ukraine from Poland 
but we didn't deliver the Jets. And the excuse is really pretty pathetic. The excuse is we don't want to further incite Putin. Further incite. He's blowing up kids. He's blowing up moms, hospitals, and maternity wards. How much could you further incite a maniac like that? Give the damn people their jets. Help them out. Come on. We don't want to fight. I don't want my son Gabriel going to the Ukraine to fight. But give him some help. If you promise them MIGs, get him their damn MIGs. Further incite Putin. Are you nuts? Are you crazy, Justin? Me, yes, but, I mean, Biden probably shouldn't be. How do you feel about the whole thing? Uh, you know, I don't – I mean, I'm with you. I think uh, you got to – I know you would be you're sitting right here. Right? Well, yeah, but I mean – You mean in theory, in theory. Yeah, in theory, yeah. In theory yeah. In mentally, figuratively, I yeah. guess. I don't know what you're saying. I'm with you. Well, I'm using big words, so that's usually <laughs> know, when you but, check out. But you never use words that are in the right context. It doesn't make any sense. I it just is. did. Not I just really. did. You no, don't think really. so? No, I don't. I don't. I think, think so. they got to help as much as they can, and but yeah. but you can't put you can't put our troops uh, on the ground there. But if you can send them fighter jets, send them fighter jets. I this mean, this will be an awkward transition talking about something really important. But do you feel like a big superstar these days? Me? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm being completely honest. Like, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm ginormous. Okay. Because I, you know, Luke Legrano told me today that somebody called the station. I think it was yesterday, and uh, I don't know why. But Luke picked up the phone, and when Luke told this person it was him, the person got like um, giddy. Oh, that's exactly right, Lewis. Giddy. <laughs> this is really Luke. Yeah, like, like that, uh, like that. Oh my! Wow. Yeah, Luke. How did it go exactly, wow. Luke? I, so the, the person first of all asked me if I was Justin. Oh, I Luke said, was Luke was itching to tell this story. <laughs> I can't. I know. I, I had to give it to him. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. The buddy. person asked me if I was Justin, and I said, "No, this is Luke." And she said, "Oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking to you right now." <laughs> and I think that's the first time a woman has ever said that to me. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking to now. How long after that did you call your mother or your father and say, you're not going to believe this? But. Oh, no, because if I told my mother, she'd be talking about it for the next 25 years. So. You didn't tell father? Larry? No. Did, no? Well, I'm proud of all you guys. That's very, it very takes a lot for I'm Luke. proud of you, too. It takes a lot for Luke to get Larry to be proud of him. I know. I know it does. Well, Larry ran the New York Stock Exchange for a long time. Dick Grasso used to wash uh, Larry's car. So now... You're going to get me in so much <laughs> wow. trouble. It's unbelievable. Is that not true? No. <laughs> Your father was not as uh, powerful in the market as uh, Grasso, but he was he was still a big-time guy, right? Well, yeah. Just, just, my, you know, my father worked on the, on the floor for 26 years. You know, a lot At of people know. 20, and he never got indicted once, huh? No, he's a, he's a good guy. <laughs> a lot of good guys get indicted, Luke. I, that, that's fair. You're yeah. a good guy. <laughs> You're Jordan, a good guy. Right? Jordan Belfort uh, shined his shoes. <laughs> Larry Legrano. Talking about that, I'm getting a shoe shine today, just so you know, on the way to 44th Street. I've got a big lunch date, which I cannot reveal because my audience will hate my guts. They'll hate my guts. But I get my shoe shine on uh, Times Square in the train station coming up after the show. So that is the Ukraine-Russia stuff. Zelensky's angry. But gas prices, that is still the biggest, the biggest story in the country. And if you remember, not that long ago, the White House tried to explain it away, pandemics, supply chain, all that. But now, now that Putin has started this war, you can blame everything on Putin. If your television show gets bad ratings, it's because of Putin. If your chicken is too expensive, it's because of Putin. If your gas is $7.19, it's because of Putin. He has become now a worldwide excuse. And it's lame. So let's get to some of this audio from yesterday. This Jen Psaki, who nobody really seems to like. I will say this. She's good at her job. 
I know if Bernie was here, he'd yell at me, but she's good at her job because she actually stands there with a straight face, and she's unflappable. You cannot intimidate her, and lies and, and, and says what she wants to say, and no one stops her. You remember, by this time with Trump, we had like 19 people already, Sean Spicer and uh, who knows who else. This lady, she is unflappable, a lying, horrible person, but really good at her job. Anyway, she uh, goes on to talk about, uh, in, this, uh, in this cut, the gas prices, saying that the military buildup began, and that's the issue. This is number eight, Lou. Since President Putin uh, began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, the price of gas at the pump in America has gone up 75 cents, which is significant, of course. The price of gas on February 14th was at, at a high, highest level since 2014, so it was already at an elevated level. I, I want to ask And the buildup of troops was even before that. So Peter Ducey, I like this kid. His father, Steve Ducey, as you know, is one of the uh, three... I guess, stars of Fox and Friends, along with Brian Kilmeade, who's on after me and Bernie here at 10 o'clock every morning, and the lovely uh, Ainsley uh, Earhart. Is that her name? Earhart. Yeah, she's cute, right, Lou? (laughs) You want confirmation? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Peter Ducey's cute, too. He's Steve's son, but he's the one guy that really goes back and forth. He is the, the, uh, the only hope we've got in some of these press conferences. And he seemed to take offense to the Putin stuff when, in fact, they had a million excuses before. This is Ducey 17, Lou. Why did you guys decide to rebrand the rise in gas prices as the hashtag Putin price hike? I mean, if you want to use that on Fox, I welcome that. But oh, I think it'll get a lot of airtime because we have heard the president warn for months the gas prices were rising because of the supply chain and because of post-pandemic demand. If you guys knew for months that this was going to be the hashtag Putin price hike, why are we just hearing that now? So good. Well, Peter, if we go back to six months ago, I don't think anybody was predicting we would be exactly where we are as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. As you know, that events in the world, including the invasion by Russia of a foreign country, does uh, prompt uh, instability and volatility in the global oil market. You cannot go uh, do these segments. Saki... You know what she's going to say, Ducey's great, without playing, as Bernard would say, the imbecile in the White House. We've now gone 33 minutes. We have to hear from Joe Biden. He goes on to talk about uh, how we're not going to need fossil fuels to drive a car, so don't worry about it. Here's Biden one. We can't keep uh, the combustion engine the way it has been. It's even, you see what's happening in locomotives now, you know, and uh, you see what's happening just across the board. And... Uh, so, and I think it presents an enormous opportunity, enormous opportunity to improve the health of the public overall, number one, because we're moving in the direction that we don't need uh, to propel most of what we have in the future by, uh, with regard to uh, oil products. <laughs> what happened there? You actually went cross-eyed on it. Yeah, that. I went cross he, he put me in some sort of like... Um, <laughs> It's like, like a trance. Trance, yeah. yes. I know. He it was, talks. It's like hypnosis. It is rough. That would be weird. good when you can't go to sleep at night. I, it's perfect. That's perfect. Very right? good. You just do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't, I, I can't the White House. Oh, yeah. there's my mother. I got to talk about Naomi, too. Thank you for that, Lou, because she got so much pub yesterday. But right now it is time for our traffic and sports. But before that, we've got the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the Rita Cosby show weeknights at 10 o'clock right after Bill O'Reilly. She's terrific. Here Rita talks Zelensky, Putin, and, of course, Putin's war crimes. 
This man is an amazing man. I love his guts. I love his courage. And he's just got to stay alive and stay leading his country because right now they are giving Russia a run for their money. And by the way, I think there's an interesting idea. A lot of people are saying, don't just label Putin a war criminal. Label his generals. Label his military leaders as war criminals. Put them all up so they're held accountable so they can't just say, oh, I was just following orders. If they are also labeled war criminals, they could actually be taken in. Think about this. So what is the world waiting for? This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. How about those New York Knickerbockers? What has gotten into them? You know, they beat the Dallas Mavericks by 30 points last night. 30, 107 to 77, enjoying their third consecutive win. Wins over the Clippers, the Kings, and the Mavericks. Burks and Robinson each had a double-double, and the day was led by the former All-Star Julius Randle, who put in 26 points. Bullock's guarding Barrett. Randall tries to answer. Randall backs in the three-pointer. Randall banking and thinking off the glass. Knicks are now 10 games under 500. Once again, they've won three straight. The Brooklyn Nets are back at it tonight in Philadelphia, taking on their former friend James Harden and the 76ers. The Nets come in at 33-33 and 33 to the eighth seed in the East, right now enjoying a game-and-a-half lead on Charlotte and Atlanta for the last playoff spot inside the Eastern Conference. More bad news from Met and Yankee fans. Major League Baseball has canceled more games. With the latest on that, Here's our very own Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Sidney Arthur. Negotiations seem to be progressing along on Tuesday before things fizzled out between Major League Baseball and the MLPA once again, MLBPA, excuse me, once again, leading to another wave of games canceled by Commissioner Rob Manfred. Opening day has now been postponed until at least April 14th, effectively wiping out another two series for each team. This discouraging news comes after two days of essentially nonstop bargaining sessions that failed to result in a new collective bargaining agreement. While the two sides have bridged the gap on a few economic matters, things have stalled on the issue of an international draft. Simply put, MLB wants one, and the Players Union opposes it. As of last night, no further meetings have been scheduled, but that, of course, could change at any moment. At any moment, Take it away, Sid. All right, thank you, Justin. Uh, of course, Big East action, Madison Square Garden yesterday wins for Butler, St. John's, and Seton Hall. On the ice tonight, the Jets at the Devils. The Isles will host Columbus, and the Rangers are in St. Louis. And one NFL trade about to go down, another quarterback on his way out. Carson Wentz, the former Eagle and Colt, on his way to Washington for draft picks. He'll be the starting quarterback for the new Commanders. Sports brought to you by Pete Morgan and the Peerless Spoilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers with sports. I'm Sid. heard anybody at 644 on your Thursday morning. Again, a bevy of big-name guests about to come your way here on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show. The judge, Napolitano, back with us coming up at 7 o'clock. Curtis Sliwa, live in studio, coming up at 740. The uh, highlight of the week in terms of ratings does a tremendous job. The great Bill O'Reilly on weeknights at 9 o'clock on this station, coming up at 840. And then Tim Tebow makes his debut on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show Coming up at uh, 940, 
Timmy's never been on before. Bernie again will be back on Monday. Today's his last day, three consecutive days of chemotherapy at Sloan Kettering. And he'll uh, rest tomorrow and be back on the air coming up on Monday. And something tells me we'll have the same conversations. <laughs> Gas prices, Biden's no good, Saki's no good, uh, Putin will continue to bomb Ukraine. We'll get more ugly videos and photos. And Zelensky will continue to bitch that the rest of the world, including the West, is not doing anything to help him as his MiG jets still sit there in Poland because we're afraid we're going to piss off Vladimir Putin. It'll be the same discussion on Monday. Right? I mean, nothing's really going to change here. And uh, Major League Baseball, they're not getting it done either. So not a lot of good news other than other than – Spring is a couple of weeks away. That's good news. The weather next week will be in the 60s. You know, yesterday, tired after the show. So I never nap, never. But yesterday, I came home after the show. Danielle was home. She worked from home. And my kids were home. And I had lunch with the family. And the next thing you know, I passed out. I fell asleep. And it was about 2.30. And I knew how to get to the gym by 3 o'clock. So I woke up. You know those afternoon naps, you wake up, you've got, like, palpitations, you're sweating, you're like, where am I? What's you, going on? Did you know what time it was? That's what happens, too. Y- yes. Do you see, like, you'll see five in the afternoon, and you might think it's morning? Ex- I've done that a million Freak, times. Freaks out. Right, the, the, the I think I missed a day of work and all that stuff. All that stuff. So it's 2.30, and I get up, and I got to go to the gym. So I just want a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and I exit my apartment, and I start walking towards 94th and Broadway, and I realized about two blocks in, oh, my God, I'm freezing. It's snowing, and it's snowing really hard, and it's hitting me in the face, and I'm not wearing, a, a like, a raincoat. I'm wearing a sweat jacket, which is, uh, you know, wool, and it was the most miserable 15-minute walk to the gym I've had in a long time because, again, I wasn't prepared. I was half asleep. I didn't realize it was snowing, and I'm like, I've had enough of this. This is enough. Give me 60s. I don't like 90s. I lived in Boca Raton, Florida for 16 years, and I did not enjoy it. Because truth is, for about five months a year, it's gorgeous. And for about six months a year, it is oppressive. I mean oppressive. You cannot do anything outside. Air conditioning is great, but you cannot walk three blocks. It's that bad. I don't like it. I don't like freezing cold. I don't like too hot. I like it somewhere in the middle. Give me 65 degrees. I love it. And next week, at least according to what I've seen, Lots of days with temperatures in the high 50s and low 60s. I'll take that all day long. Well, it's humidity, which seems to be your main issue. Well, I hate the humidity. That's not true. really the temperature. It's just... No, no, I, temperature too. You know, oh, I, okay. I remember like, I went to... Uh, first time I went to Arizona. Many years ago, Charles Barkley and the Phoenix Suns were playing the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Finals. Had to cover it. And uh, they said, listen, to your point, very low humidity but high temperatures. Let me tell you something. 115 degrees in Scottsdale with no humidity is hot. It is very hot. Well, that's 115 degrees. That, those, <laughs> those are... so, uh, but you're right. Humidity is the bigger issue down in Florida. But we get that here, too. Let's not kid ourselves. In August in New York City, when you get off the train and you can see the heat rising to, like, the 60th floor of the Empire State Building, that's humidity, folks. So we get it here, too. But they get it longer, and I can't stand it. So I'm looking forward to the 60-plus degree temperatures. I'll be in Los Angeles in two weeks. It'll be 75 and sunny. That's perfect. I am coming back, Luke. No, that's... that's you know, every time that's, I say that's that... That's reason 
18 while you're not going to come back. <laughs> I mean, why you, you think you're going to get out there and say, like, oh, I, I can't wait to get back to slush in yes. New York City. It's, it's, the weather's going to be nice. I love this job. This is my favorite I, thing I, to do. I understand that. I you, mean, you, I love you do the believe job, that. But, you, you do believe that. Okay, okay. But when you go out there, I mean, you're in California, and you say, like, oh, my God, what am I walking through? Rain and snow. I understand. And imagine tough, people tough. who have a car and have to dig out. That's why, that's why people move to Florida. I, I understand. I know. Listen, the weather's gorgeous there, and I'm going to be staying in uh, Beverly Hills. I can't take the heat either, though. You don't like you don't like the oppressive no, heat, but, but you no. don't, you like the freezing cold. No, I don't like the. I, I used to be okay because I was used to going outside when I was a kid, play hockey, whatever. But now, no, oof, no. You get older, you can't take. No, you, I can't do all no. the extremes are no good when you get no. old. That's the bottom line. No. How old are you now, Lou? I'm coming up on 58. Is that right? Yeah. I thought you were younger than me. You impressed, you look Justin? Younger. No. I am impressed, actually. You, you don't look like you're 58. Are you really 50? You're going to be 58. You I'm look like a kid. show you my license. No, I will. believe you. Wow. So you're going to be 58. God willing, in April, I'll be 55. And uh, what are you, like 22 or something? Or? I'm 26. 26. Oh, my God. How long ago was that? Two rehabs and two prison stays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 still have, I still have those two things ahead of me. So I know. I have that to look forward to, you rehab sure you, and prison. You sure you covered all of them? <laughs> no, I've got a lot more that I left out. Thank you. But, you know, people will ask me, what is your, you know, for young kids out there, how do you become a big radio star? And uh, that's how you do it. Just get yourself in all kinds of trouble. That's it. Nobody, no, nobody's interested in a, in a guy that's nice and vanilla. and nobody's, Nobody cares. Got to have an edge. Got to have an edge. You said a few weeks ago, you said um, you're not going to find any success in this game if you don't get fired and or suspended. Oh, that's true. At least a handful of times. A handful of times. Right. Yeah. And you suspend, suspended me last week for my first time. So. I did. But but the suspension only lasted an hour. Yeah. I remember the uh, when I miss, uh, tried to fire me after the whole Venus Serena thing. This was such a crazy time. I was 33 years old. No, I forgot about this one, too. Remember this, Lou? <laughs> so the stuff that I said on the IMA show that day, just for folks that are interested, was actually on my audition tape for Mark Chernoff and WFAM before I got to New York. So I had said it before. There were no issues. But when you say it in Florida, nobody cares. You come here, it becomes huge news. So I say this, and I get fired, okay? So I'm 33 years old, and... Um, I didn't get fired just yet. I went home that day, and Chernoff said to me, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Uh, read the papers. So my wife, <laughs> my wife wakes up the next morning. I go to bed that night, and I hadn't gotten fired yet. Chernoff said, listen, keep an eye out. If, if people really start to have an issue with this, then we may have to make a move. Okay, fine. I go to bed. I hear nothing. I'm like, thank God. The next morning, Danielle's in Florida. She calls me. She goes, thank God. God, I'm reading the New York Post. I'm in the sports section. There's nothing about you. I think you dodged the bullet. I'm like, oh, thank God is right. Now, I've been suspended already, just so you know. Then Danielle goes to the front of the paper. And right there on page three. <laughs> so, so you weren't, you skipped the sports and went right to the front Correct. section. Correct. There's a picture of me, Don, and Venus Williams. And asks a very, very nasty thing. And Danielle starts to cry. I go, what happened? What's going on? I thought we were good. We're not good. And she goes on to read the story. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done. 33 years old. Made one feeble attempt at humor. I blew it. I'm in big trouble. That's it. Um, So then I sit around the rest of the day. She's in Florida. I'm alone in my apartment in Riverdale in the Bronx. Thinking about ways to kill myself, to be honest. My kids weren't born yet. I was like, I'm done. I'm finished. And the next thing you know, there's this overwhelming support. For me. So Howard Stern, who I've met many times since, I hosted Wack Pack Bowling, been a guest on his show a bunch of times. He goes 
on his show, and he says, listen, I don't know who Sid Rosenberg is. Never heard of the guy. But I will tell you this. Of all people, to hold him accountable for making a bad joke, I miss? Robin, why don't you tell the audience what I miss to say about you when he would call in drunk at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? So Howard Stern does about an hour on, I don't know who Sid Rosenberg is, but A, what he said was kind of funny, and B, give me a break, I miss? Then, as if that's not enough, like Rush, The View, Opie and Anthony, everybody came to my defense. Everybody. That's when cancel culture wasn't okay, right? A feeble attempt at humor, which I admit was stupid, offensive, and, I, and I've even said in my first book that I'm sorry I said it, should not ruin a guy's career. And it took 24 hours when I got the call, Lou, from Kara Dugan, who said, and I quote, the I man wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of him. And I, you know, if you write a letter to, oh, I love the man. How do I write a letter to the father, the sisters, everybody, read it on the air, go through all these, jump through hoops and all this nonsense. This is, by the way, before Rutgers. And he brought me back in 24 hours. But the truth is, the, the amount of uh, support I got from people who had no idea who I was, I was brand new in the business, I had just gotten here. It was great. Because back then, people were not okay with cancel culture. It wasn't going to happen. No. No. Totally different then. Right. I mean, you know better than anybody, Lou, because of all the stuff Don said over the years. So that was, um, that was an interesting way to start my career. You know, I was only on the IMA show for three weeks when all that went down. That three was weeks. It? That was it. Wow. Th- then I came back and had that massive competition against John Minko. You remember that? Oh, yeah. They had all the judges in the studio, Mike Breen, Patrick McEnroe, Mike and the Mad Dog, Deirdre Don, Dick Cavett. Was in studio, <laughs> Mike Lupica, all these, uh, all these folks, and uh, then I finally got the job. I beat up Warner Wolf, and the rest is history. And now we are here today. So we got four great guests. All this exciting stuff about to come your way. Been a really good hour. Number one, Bernard again back on Monday. The number, as always, one eight hundred eight four eight WABC one eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. We are the Bernie and Sid in the morning show. I'm Sid Rosenberg, and I'll be back right after these short messages. Go to WABCRadio.com right now and register for your chance to win a WABC Barry House coffee mug. That's an excellent choice, Lou. Too hot. Cool in the gang. Barry I it was House. too hot in the studio. I thought I'd run in there. <laughs> it is hot in here. Barry House Coffee is proud to be the official sponsor of Bernie and Sid in the morning here on Talk Radio 77. WABC, register now. And uh, best of luck to you. I do want to thank all the folks on Facebook, our page, the Bernie and Sid Facebook page, that bogus page that uh, Keith Smolin put together. When I say bogus, it's actually a very good page. It was 
It was actually up on Facebook before ABC put a page up. But there's a lot of jerk-offs on that page. But um, for the most part, they're good people. And they were very, very nice to my mom yesterday. And I appreciate that because she had a blast. She loves it. You know, my mom doesn't do a lot of fun stuff these days. Since my dad died, she basically sits around and cries. I mean, I've got three sisters. Uh, they're all in Florida right now. My sister Lizzie in Parkland, my sister Ray Sherry in Aventura, and my sister Alana in Coconut Creek. And uh, my mom is down there with them, and that's great. So she gets to hang out with the family. But for the most part, it's been a very, very rough two years. So coming on this station, having fun with me, is as good as it gets. And then she is on her phone, and she sees the Facebook stuff. So when you folks say nice things about Naomi, believe it or not, she sees it, and she loves it. So thank you very much to all you folks out there that made the day for my mom, who has a lot more bad days than good days at this point, unfortunately. I I can't imagine what it must be like. They were together, my mother and father, for 62 years. 62. I can't imagine what it must be like to be with somebody for 62 years, and then one day it's just over. It's over. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Judge Napolitano, Curtis Sliwa, Bill O'Reilly, Tim Tebow, and more. Thursday with Bernie and Sid on the best talk station in New York. We are Talk Radio 77, WABC. Little Bob Seeger for you. Just peered into the newsroom and saw a guy walking around with a red jacket on. You have one guess who that is. <laughs> He'll be live in studio at 740, the, uh, the great Curtis Sliwa. And it's sunny outside, folks. Yes, it is sunny outside as temperatures will get uh, in, into the 60s here next week as we get closer to spring. No baseball. That sucks. These uh, owners and players need to get this thing done. This is ridiculous. The world is falling apart. The world is on fire. This country is falling apart. At least give me a Met game. Figure this thing out. Billionaires and millionaires. Who's got the patience for this? I don't. Uh, We've got four great guests uh, on this program today. Tim Tebow will be here at 940. I'm really looking forward to that. The great Bill O'Reilly coming up at 840. Curtis Sliwa live in studio at 740. But our first guest is a guy that I really used to love on Fox News Come out with me and Bernie all that much, but did the I Missed Up and other shows around town. Very, very smart, uh, brilliant guy. Writes books, television, big-time judge out of New Jersey, Andrew Napolitano. Judge Napolitano here on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show. No Bernardi's out sick. I'm Sid Rosenberg. I am here. Judge, good morning. How are you, buddy? Sid, I'm great. How are you, my dear friend? What a pleasure to hear your voice. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. I feel the same way. I was telling these guys, I haven't talked to you in, in years. Well, the Look- last time we talked, I think, was when um, 
Ooh, who was I filling in for at WABC when you were the general manager or the executive producer? Was it Geraldo? I think it was Geraldo. It was Geraldo. You're right. And what's funny about that, George, is that Geraldo eventually was not brought back. They decided instead to bring me back from Florida, and me and Bernie replaced Geraldo, even though Imus and others wanted Mike Lupica. So that was the case. You were you filled in for Geraldo, and then me and Bernie took over for Geraldo. But you're on the station quite a bit, and you're terrific, and... Uh, We want your opinions on all the big news across the world today. Let's start with this. Joe Biden, we are not big fans on this show. In fact, we can't stand him. We can't stand him. He is blaming you. You know, he's uh, he's spending us into uh, oblivion and he's blaming inflation on the gas companies, inflation, uh, the oil companies. Inflation has only one cause. Too much money. Chasing too few goods. That's right. Now, Donald Trump borrowed a lot of money. Borrowed, he borrowed two trillion in four years. Biden has borrowed two trillion in one year. Wow! So you can see what happens. The same amount of goods, more money in the in the money supply. It's a natural response for the cash to go up. It is. The government is. keeps pushing its debts onto future generations. That's been going on since Woodrow Wilson. Oh wow! Because you're talking about a long time since World War One. So, but 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 here's where I get annoyed here, Judge, is that the the narrative has changed because you know that the gas prices they were blaming all that the oil deals uh, on on uh, supply chain issues post pandemic stuff. Now they just blame Putin for everything, or in this case, Biden now blaming the oil companies. It's very simple. Who's really to blame, Judge? Well, the government loves to have an enemy. It loves to have somebody to hate to blame its failures on. For 50 years, we were taught to hate the Soviet Union. Then we were supposed to hate Iran. Then we're supposed to hate Saddam Hussein. For two years, we were supposed to hate COVID, even though it's not a human being, obviously. Now we're supposed to hate uh, hate Putin. If, you, if you're concerned about in not enough oil, Uncle Joe, <laughs> let people drill in the United States. We will be totally oil independent. We won't have to buy from Putin or Venezuela or anywhere else. But, and I say this in fairness to Joe, I don't hate him. I'm not crazy about him. I don't hate him. I've known him. I've known him for 40 years. I uh, was a professor of law at Delaware Law School, and Joe was an adjunct. Now, the rest of the faculty thought he was a joke. (laughs) The students loved him because he's got a great personality, and he and I got along with each other. We used to sit next to each other. On the on the Amtrak on the Acela, um, but Joe needs to stop listening to the hard lefties in his party, who are tugging him to the left. The environmental crazies who think that owning a lease is the same thing as drilling for oil. Government gives away leases all the time. It doesn't let you drill. It needs to let these oil companies drill in the United States will be totally oil independent. There'll be no supply chain issues and there'll be no worries about Russia. Let's talk about the sanctions, immoral, ineffective. We could talk about taking the oligarchs' fortunes and we're refusing to buy Russian oil, something we should have done a long time ago. Like you said, Judge, wasn't that long ago under Donald Trump, we were energy independent. We don't have to rely on other countries. I know we still bought from Russia. I get it. But we don't have to rely on other countries to do this type of stuff. What about taking the oligarchs' fortunes and, and as we've done now, just stop buying Russian oil? That, that's not enough, but it's a good start, yes? I, I have no problem with not buying Russian oil as long as we have enough oil on our own. So I'll go back to what I just said about drilling. In terms of seizing the oligarchs' assets, it's absolutely immoral, it's unconstitutional, and it's criminal. 
who the heck are we to be seizing the assets of private individuals that have nothing to do with the human rights violations that are going on uh, in the Ukraine? Ah, there's a statute. There's two statutes. One, the Economic Emergency Act, and two, the Magnitsky Act. They're both Obama-era statutes. Joe Biden is familiar with both of them. He was the vice president at the time. And they both say the president of the United States can interfere with any economic contract with a foreign entity or a foreign country if he believes that foreign entity or foreign country is violating human rights and he can seize assets of those who help the violators. That statute is absolutely unconstitutional because the Fifth Amendment says if the government wants to take property from anyone, not just an American, anyone, they can only do it by due process, which means a trial at which you prove fault. So two days ago, this is not a joke, a five hundred million dollar yacht that's half a billion was seized in the bay of naples and i'm not saying this because my name is napolitano but <laughs> it happened in naples it was seized by the carabinieri which is the sort of upscale italian police their version uh, of the fbi what are they doing seizing it ah the cia asked the carabinieri to seize this yacht if the owner of the yacht wants it back you're talking about half a billion dollars and a lot of people working on it. If the owner of the yacht wants it back, he has to come to Washington, D.C., file a lawsuit, and prove that he is not a violator of human rights. I mean, that turns the law on its head. In America, if the government wants your property, it has to prove fault. You don't have to prove that you're not at fault. So the statute that Joe is relying on is reprehensible, but it's very popular when he does it. Oh, it is. Attack yes. Putin's friends as right. if they have anything to do with it. Well, well, this guy that owns uh, the yacht, uh, Judge Napolitano, do you know his name? Do you know exactly who he is, what his affiliation is, all that? I don't. Do you? I, I, I don't. I could have looked it up, and you can easily look it up, because this one that they seized from the Bay of Naples is the biggest one of, of all the oligarchs, which is why I use it as an example for two reasons. One, it's worth half a billion. And two, you can see we're not the only ones doing the seizing, that we have our foreign partners, in this case, the, the Carabinieri in Italy. Right. We have our foreign partners seizing it uh, as well. But the concept of the government seizing property without proving fault is absolutely violative of the Constitution. And if it ever comes here, it will be reprehensible. Judge Andrew Napolitano, so great to hear his voice back on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show here on Talk Radio 77. Where is Bernie, by the way? Well, Bernie, unfortunately, has not been feeling well. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer a couple of months ago, stage four. Oh. And uh, he's now going through his third round of chemotherapy. So we pray every day he's going to be okay, but he's in a, he's in a tough battle, Andrew. Okay, not easy. He's, in, yeah. he's in my prayers. I did not know that. I will tell him he I does love you. I heard you Stone uh, the other day. Oh, you did? I heard Vern, uh, Bernie's voice, but you know the way Stone talks. It may have been all Stone. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I but... say this as his no, actually, Bernie was here that day. So what happens is he, he works for about two or three weeks. Then he takes a week off when he gets his chemo. So he was here that day last week, uh, Judge, with uh, Roger Stone. He'll be back again coming up on, on Monday. Tell him I love him and I miss him. It was a joy to work with him. 
Uh, because sometimes I must wanted to bite my head off. No. And he protected me. <laughs> of course he did. Uh, <laughs> no. Hey, let's talk about Zelensky here for a second. He has become kind of the hero. My son, Judge, is 13 years old, my son Gabriel. And forget about the sports figures and the guys on TikTok. His hero right now is Zelensky. That's how, that's how big Zelensky has gotten. And he is furious. He believes the West is not doing nearly enough. And the story today is he's very angry with Joe Biden because he was promised those MiG-29 jet fighters that are sitting in Poland because, quote, Joe Biden doesn't want to infuriate Putin anymore. Are you kidding me? He's already I, blowing up women and children. What are you worried about at this point, Judge? I, I, I fully agree with you. Look, the, 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 the red-blooded American side of me says we should blow these people away. We absolutely should blow these people away. This is the most m- monstrous unconstitutional, illegal, immoral uh, war crime in the history of the, of the world. Eh, maybe the Holocaust was worse, right. but, but without saying the history of the world, in the modern era. In the and, and it does. And by the way, the Holocaust was worse, There's no, and I'm a Jewish person, but Correct. you would agree that this does mirror World War II yes, too much for my taste. Mirror, this does mirror the beginning uh, of World War II. So the red-blooded American in me wants to stop this with superior firepower, as my military friends would say. But the, the libertarian in me, the constitutionalist in me, the person thinking about the future in me and about mothers of, of uh, soldiers in me is saying we do not have a dog in this fight. And the most we can do is supply him with, the, uh, with uh, humanitarian uh, help. That's the best we can do without risking World War II. Look, there's an airfield in Poland that's about 10 miles from the Polish-Ukraine border. If some Russian tank commander misreads his GPS and fires into that airfield and destroys Polish and American airplanes, what does that mean? That means World War III. That means all of NATO is going to come down uh, on Putin. That is the last thing that we want. And also, there's no fly zone. That could be another, uh, obviously, motivation for World War III, right? Yes. I don't like the way all this sounds, that Biden is afraid of Putin. I don't think Biden is afraid of Putin. I think Biden is afraid that Putin will do something irrational, which would draw us into, into uh, World War II. Look, if American troops start uh, fighting Russians, what do you think they're going to do? They'll bomb Los Angeles. Right. I mean, they'll, they'll do something absolutely outrageous, insane, crazy, immoral, and criminal to keep Putin in power. We don't want to go there. You know, when, uh, when I look at the New York Post and I see atrocities, Judge, and I see women, children, maternity hospitals getting blown up, it, it makes me so nauseous and so upset that I hate making it Political, but that's what this show is. That's what we do, right? We're talking baseball, ESPN. We talk politics. Oh, don't even mention baseball. Oh, don't (laughs) even mention baseball. I know you're a baseball fan, Yankee fan, and have been, you know, since the man in my house and my parents' house when I was growing up. Now I know you're Jewish and I'm Catholic, but you'll know what this means. Mandel. Maris and Barra were another blessed trinity. They could do no wrong. We practically had to genuflex when we mentioned their name. I get it. I get it. Those are three of the all-time greats. But uh, in terms of the political, that's very cute. In terms of the political area here, uh, area here, I should say, uh, it's a very simple question. If Donald Trump, you don't have the answer, obviously, because he's not, but I'm going to ask you to predict. If Donald Trump was still the president, would Putin be doing any of this? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he would he would fear a violent uh, response. Now, I don't know. You know, the, the Donald Trump, whom, as you may know, has been a friend of mine for 35 going on 40 years, 
had a personal uh, relationship with uh, Putin that Joe Biden does not have. Uh, I just think it would be a very, very different world. I think uh, Putin and his military people would be terrified of what Trump would do. And do you think on the way out, because of, if you believe all the Hunter Biden stuff, which I do, I thought Miranda Devine did an amazing job, Tucker Carlson, Boblinski, others. Do you believe that because of Hunter and his father and his uncle's dealings in Russia, in Ukraine, in China, that there's a little bit of an issue here with Biden really being honest because at the end of the day, they're making a couple of bucks? I hope not. That's the best answer I can give. Right. The Joe that I have known, and again, when I knew him, it was 35, 40 years ago when I was teaching at Delaware Law School and he was an adjunct. The Joe that I have known uh, is a middle-of-the-road, intellectually honest Democrat. I don't think that's the same Joe that's in the White House. The, the Joe in the White House is, is too old, too withered and too tied to the deep left of his party. He doesn't believe any of what they say, but he knows that if they desert him, the Democrats are a minority. You did leave out too corrupt. That may be the biggest issue of all. I'm not sure, but you did leave that out. Hey, uh, Judge, (laughs) it is great to hear you back. I'd love you to come back more often now that you're back here this morning. Keep coming back. You're great. Anytime, Sid, and uh, Bernie's in my prayers. You got it. Thank you so much, folks. There he is, Judge Andrew Napolitano, making his return to the Bernie and Sid in the morning show here on Talk Radio. 77 WABC judge. That was great. That's only one of four folks still to come. Curtis Sliwa, Bill O'Reilly, the great Tim Tebow, and of course, Bill O'Reilly's morning message is coming up next. Keep it right here Thursday with Bernie and Sid. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up from the NRIA.net studios in New York. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Thursday, I am miffed. Once again, President Biden and his minister of propaganda, Jen Psaki, are misleading the American people, this time about oil production. Mr. Biden and Ms. Psaki both say it is Putin who is most responsible for the rise in gas prices. The pair also put forth that the Biden administration is harvesting more oil than the Trump crew, but wait, but wait, they compare the first year of Trump to the first year of Biden. That's ridiculous. Here are the facts. When Donald Trump left office, the average price for a gallon of gas in America was about $2.50. After 13 months of Biden, the price had risen more than a dollar. And that was well before Putin's Ukraine invasion. Under Trump's last year in 2020, the U.S. produced 18.4 million barrels of oil a day. During Biden's first year, the number fell to 16.6 million barrels a day. That's about 2 million barrels a day less than what was coming out under Trump. Close to 750 million fewer barrels a year was being pumped in the USA under Biden. Now, How does the president think he can get away with all this? Easy. A corrupt media. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on.
At 7.25. Thank you to Judge Napolitano. That was really, really good. Curtis Lee was here. He'll come on at 7.40. Bill O'Reilly, 8.40. Tim Tebow, 9.40. So on a uh, personal note, because I can only do so much politics and I have to move on to something else. And I go back to it. Don't worry about it. So when I go to a diner, you go to diners, Justin? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diet. So no. You want to diet? You're still fat. I'm losing some weight. Okay. No, it's working. See, Justin? Yeah, you look great. What uh, what diner do you go to? Do you have a favorite diner? Do you? If you weren't going to a diner still, if you weren't dieting and looking all lean and mean like you do now, what, what diner would you go to? you have a favorite uh, diner? Well, listen, I've already shed five pounds. Okay. Wait, what diner is your favorite diner? My um, <laughs> there's a good place in, um, I think it's on like 8th okay, and 19th. No you, uh, you have a favorite diner, Lou, that you go to? Uh, there used to be one in when I was in Astoria, the uh, Neptune. Used to be right there right, by that uh, right. the tribe. But you don't go to one by your house in Rockaway now. Um, no, I, no, I do. And near Howard Beach, yeah, I will pick food up. I used to pick food up there along Howard. You know, right before Lenny's. There's a on Cross Bay Boulevard. Yeah, you yes. ever you ever been to Joe Junior? Uh, is it where? It's uh, it was what I was gonna get to after said uh, before said cup. Well, it just takes too long. I didn't... What do you mean it takes too What's long? What's the place? Where, where are you it? going? You got nowhere to go. Just listen to a story. Okay, fine. That's Lose true. Right. I got to be until ten o'clock. It's anyway. got to be. Yeah. I always yeah. say that. <laughs> right. No, it's Joe. They actually they're graded one of the best burgers in the city. Oh, I love what place burger. is that? Joe Junior. Never heard of it. Like if you just Google best oh, hamburgers in New York City, oh, they'll be like top three. Do you know how many diners and restaurants put up signs that say we've got the it's best? It's not a sign this. though. If you Google it, if you say where's the best burger in New York well, City, said it'll it? come up on like every list. Did Guy Fieri say it? Ah, I've seen it on a fatuation. Yeah, I've seen okay. it on All diners, right. drive-ins, and dives. All right. Well, there you have it. That's a big deal then. That's a huge deal. Uh, I love a diner, and I don't know why, but I, I must go to a diner about four times a week. There's one on 100th and Broadway. It's called Metro, which I like. But there's an older diner across the street, right, not far from Gristidis. John Katsimatidis, Gristidis, where I shop. 101st and Broadway, and there are two old Greek guys. When I say old, I mean old. And it's, it's perfect. But I couldn't get there yesterday, so I was forced to go to a different diner. And I have to tell you, I was so miserable because, for me, I usually get the same thing, right? In the morning, I'll always get an egg white omelet. With spinach and feta, always. I'll never get potatoes, never. And if I really want to get kinky, I'll throw in a couple of pieces of French toast. If I'm really wild. Ooh. You know? yeah. Hey, now. Nah. Sexy, right? Yeah. Maybe a little oatmeal, something like that. And my lunches are always a chicken Caesar wrap with uh, fries and a Diet Coke. And if Danielle's there, we'll share a rice pudding. Anyway, we're so Jewish and old, it's unbelievable. So, um, but for me, if you screw up the introduction. Now, what's the introduction? When you sit down at a diner, first of all, you better get some good rolls or bread. Got to be good bread. Really? At a diner? Got to be. 100%. You got to get pickles. Uh, I like a sour pickle. For some reason, they give you that that like half sour, which is terrible. But uh, fine, I'll take it. And you get the coleslaw, which they call health salad. If they screw up any one of those three things, I don't care if they make the best omelet, Greek salad, wrap, whatever you want. At that point, the diner isn't worth the duty in your toilet. For me, and, for me, that dish is uh, corned beef hash. 
You like a corned beef ham? Oh, I awesome. love a good corned beef. You like that little? Really? I love it, Dude, too. it's so good. And it turns people good. off because it looks like a pile of doo-doo. I know. But well, if they do it right? Yeah. Frank, ah, Frankie Diaz kiss. with an E loves it, too. That was one of my father's, my father's favorite dishes. My, uh, when my mother would make something that my dad didn't like, he would say to her, I'm going to go to the diner, I swear to God, and get corned beef hash. Or another Harvey Rosenberg favorite, he loved this, salami and eggs. He would smother it in mustard. And then my father liked all that stuff. Reuben sandwiches, corned beef. He was a big deli guy. He was, you know, you go into any Jewish deli in Brooklyn, and there's an old guy sitting there, and the coleslaw is coming down the side of his mouth, and he's got ketchup on the French fry on his forehead, and he's got corned beef stuck to his bottom lip. That was my dad. That was my, he loved that stuff. But he loved corned beef hash and salami and eggs. Love that stuff. It's delicious. It's, it's literally crack. That's an old man food, though. That's not a, that's not a young guy's food. No, I, I honestly don't really know how I got turned on to it. But uh, I tried it one day at one of my hometown diners over in Chappaqua, Chappaqua, if you will. And um, the I, small, fell, I, I fell in love with it. The small places, if you go upstate, they make good yeah. corned beef hash. But that's, like, not a if diner, a diner doesn't have corned beef hash, it's not a diner, in my opinion. Okay. Now, no. what, what place is upstate? You mean, like, we're upstate. What's like, the diner that's going? upstate that, that, that everybody goes to? There Which was, one? There used uh, to be one off the Taconic. Uh, there used to be one. Mount right. Kisco Diner? Yeah. Oh, yes, you, that's you, another good one. You, uh, dude, I, I went to Mount Kisco Diner all growing up. I used to go to a place... <laughs> used to drive upstate, not the Mount Kisco care. Diner. Welcome to Diner Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you something. If New Yorkers love their diners. There was a place called, um, was it Big Daddy's? It was uh, on the way. You could see it from the New York Thruway. That's it was... what you call something else. <laughs> we used to stop there for their French fries. But um, when I was a kid, for example, I really liked the El Greco Diner. That was in uh, Sheepshead Bay. And then my parents would go to the Minerva Diner. That was on Kings Highway in Brooklyn. And uh, I did the Vegas Diner. That's a very popular diner in Brooklyn. You had the one in Bay Ridge. Uh, the Bridgeview. Canarsie. Which one is that, Luke? Oh, the Bridgeview Diner in Bay Ridge? Yeah, the Bridgeview Diner. Phenomenal place. Yep, that's a very good place. Been there many times, yes. Many times. But if you don't enjoy a good diner, you're not a New Yorker. I mean, that, diners are New York, right? Although, you know, like down in Florida... We started having, they have what's called like the greasy spoons. Like, like Nick has a place where, you know, the, the, the floors are dirty and the eggs are greasy and people love that type of stuff. But they started opening up diners. And there's one by like the track Gulfstream down in Hallandale. They call it Flashback. But it's too fancy. They've got like pictures on the wall. And that's not a diner, right? I mean, diner, you know, diner here's what you have to have. You've got to walk in. You've got to have that big glass thing with all these horrible desserts that look great. They look great. Yeah, they've been sitting there for like right, months. Right, right. And then Those you try cakes. the chocolate cake, and it's like it's like wax. Right. That's not it's what you're wax. There for. Right. Not there for that. That's the diner. That's how you do it. Or, or the liquor behind the uh, the always the, the have register. that. Always yeah, yeah, have yeah. that. Yeah. I've gotten bombed a couple times. What about uh, <laughs> what about uh, <laughs> in a diner? <laughs> I have. It can I have a bourbon straight up? Seriously, <laughs> I've done that before. I've I done have that before. with my cheeseburger deluxe. When I get a uh, bourbon straight I'm up, working with a lot of derelicts. Well, yeah. What about uh, Roscoe Diner upstate? I've not it, been there. It's not there anymore, though. It's not there? It burned down. Literally, my, my high school baseball coach just texted me. The one it. at the end of the Taconic, right? Yes. I've never been. Oh, oh, somebody just texted me. You're exactly right. The Red Apple Rest Diner. That's exactly the place. Excellent job. That's the place I was talking about. So, anyway, if you have a diner that you'd like to recommend to <laughs> any one of us, <laughs> topic of the day, diner. What's your favorite diner? I came, I came in a little late. Can I give one? Yes. Uh, if anyone's in Connecticut, 
the State Street Diner in North Haven, Connecticut, has the best pancake I've ever had in my entire life. Do they make a chocolate chip pancake? Uh, so they do. But Sid, I I don't like cinnamon, and they have a cinnamon bun pancake. Oh, oh I get like it cinnamon. every time. Oh, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, have you ever had ideas. cinnamon bun French toast? I like that I too. Not. That, that, that'll put you in a coma. Yes, I love it. There's a place right around the corner, which is right next to Jack's place, Empire Steakhouse. I go to that diner about three times a week. I don't know the name of it, but it's, it's on 50th between Lex and 3rd Avenue. It's good. The guys are very good there. You get to sit outside. That's a pretty good diner, but not as good as the ones you guys are uh, pointing out. By the way, in today's New York Post, I do want to point this out. The other side of midnight, Frank Morano, Monday through Friday, the other side of midnight, 1 to uh, 5 a.m. This guy is getting ratings that are just monstrous, monstrous ratings, and he deserves credit. And the Curtis Sliwa show... Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 6. I believe he does one of those days with uh, Wiener. And Curtis is coming on here live next. Check that out today. Did you say Wiener? In WABC, I did in the New York Post. WABC doing a great job with Frank Morano and Curtis Sliwa. And the diner in Roscoe did not burn down. That is a fake news, Lou. Boy, okay, well, what are you doing, Lou? You're peddling fake no, news over here. It could be a different Ross. It could be a different Roscoe. I know this, but it, it was Roscoe a long time ago. The one I'm thinking of. Okay, Ralph Napolitano. No relation to the judge who was just on, but he's in and Tony's up in the Bronx, up on Arthur Avenue. Says the New Rochelle Diner and the Tremont Diner in the Bronx. I live by the Tremont Diner. And, yeah, that was pretty good. And Ann and Tony's is a great restaurant. All right, but what are we going to yes. do? Are we going to list off every every diner within <laughs> oh, the tri-state no, no, area? I mean, yeah, huh? I Elm Street Diner in Connecticut. That was pretty good, too. <laughs> okay. We get it. There are a lot of diners. <laughs> All right, we're, we're off the diners now, okay? <laughs> this one in San Diego I used to visit was really good. It was called Sunny Side. Oh, forget it. <laughs> we're well, going right back to Eric Adams and Zelensky and Putin, all the stuff you want to hear. Let's show what a barbecue is. Barbecue is always trying to say that Eric Adams. No more barbecues. Anyway, that is uh, the mayor of this great city, Eric Adams, and he's uh, putting his foot down. No more. And I like that. No more drugs. I like that. No more crime. All that's terrific. But what he says and what he does, those seem to be two different things. The man sitting to my left won the Republican side in very impressive fashion. He murdered Fernando Mateo. Then he did lose to Eric Adams. And uh, But he's taking it well. It's not like Curtis wakes up every morning and he's pissed off at Eric about something else. Or maybe it is. Uh, there are people that say to me, your friend Curtis, while I love him, and I wish Curtis would have won. And I feel that way. You would have been a much better mayor, much better mayor. They do feel like you become almost psychotic because he beat you and you don't like him very much, and he's not very good, and it's like keeping you up at night. Oh, excuse me, Sid. Excuse me. <laughs> 200% increase of crime in the subway. 60% increase of crime in the streets. Look, I even thought that he would do a better job than Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time man of that dope from Park Slope. He's done worse in his first eight weeks. Okay, that's true. But, and I had this, uh, I want to say argument, not a fight with my wife, Danielle, last night. You're right about that statistically, but she said, wait a second. He was handed a bowl of crap. It's going to take a little time to get out of it. So there are still a lot of people that say it's still too early in the game. I don't feel that way. You don't either. Wait, wait, wait. Why don't you take Danielle to the northern part of Central Park, which they just <laughs> tried to torch? 103rd Street Station on the one train. They had a barbecue, all right. They nearly burnt the station down. Why don't you let your wife come out on an underbelly tour with Curtis Lee and the Guardian Angels like I took you? Yes. Onto Junior Street. 
in the heart of Brownsville, never ran, never will. You have got to be out of your mind. There are homeless. I came in here this morning. Notice, I got my hoodie on. Yeah. Why? Because of all the homeless and the emotionally disturbed. He's still on the platform, still on the train, still battling. The lady in red the other night, if you notice, a man who says, call me female, please, takes out her hammer out of a bag and boom, it's another Asian guy in the head. Asians getting attacked all over the place. And where is Eric Adams? He's styling and profiling. What is he doing? He's skateboarding in Tompkins <laughs> Square that. Park. I saw that. He's, he's doing isometrics like Jack LaLanne at Bayside High School. And where's his police commissioner? Missing in action. I go to precinct after precinct, transit precinct. Hey, have you seen the new police commissioner? Huh? Where? Huh? Well, where'd you brought her up? Because when I went to Rivera's funeral, one of the cops who was killed with Moya a couple weeks ago, um, I was so impressed by her. I was blown away, Curtis. She was really very impressive. Great speaker. Everybody seems to like her. She's been a good cop. But you're right. If we're going to hold Adams accountable and talk about the crime stats in the city, that's her job. She needs to be held accountable. So while very impressive and a great speaker and tough and a great cop for a long time, I don't think it's unfair to ask that question. Exactly. And and by the way, you could become a great speaker, too, if you went to Toastmasters, right? (laughs) Or Dale Carnegie. Garden City, Dale Carnegie. Remember? Oh, you could give a good speech, too. Oh, but listen, it's one thing to attack people, which we do very good here. We're great at that. That's why people love us. We get great ratings. The other thing, it's another thing to actually have a solution, okay? So, Eric Adams, there's no question it's not getting any better. Shul, there's no question it's not getting any better. If you had one and you were the mayor, what would you be doing differently today so we'd see a better New York City? Uh, first off, you go after Alvin Bragg. You said, I am going to make your life a miserable. I will be your worst nightmare. I'm going to drive you out of office. Now, Eric Adams, Democrat, should have gone up to Albany and said to Hochul, I supported you, Tish James dropped out. Well, guess what? I'll support Swazi unless you change that stupid no-bail law, no-cash-bail law. He doesn't touch these people. He backs away from them. And by the way, the most outrageous thing that happened, you would have thought he would have gone ballistic, is rubbing poops and shooting hoops up there. In the Bronx, right? The guy takes his boy. own poops, yeah. shoves it in a woman's face. He wants to get arrested. He wants to go to Rikers where he can shoot hoops with the pros out there, the convicts. <laughs> they won't arrest him and lock him up. He curses the judge, F-U-F-U. You would have thought the judge would have said, hold that guy in contempt. Send him for a psychiatric observation. No. Then as soon as he gets out of Bronx uh, criminal court... Detectives of Eric Gonzalez, Brooklyn DA waiting. They take him to 100 Center, excuse me, 100 Skimmerhorn Street. I've been there often, as you know, in clubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he smacked a black guy in Crown Heights, threatened to kill him, hate crime. They cut him loose again. So now he's up in Hunts Point. He's dribbling every day. And I went up there and I said, I'm going to prove to this guy that white boys can jump, man. I'm going to take it to the rim. Did you? I went up there. He had just left an oh, hour before. Left. Well, you know, you talk about Eric Adams going up to Albany and them slamming the door in his face. So I've had this back and forth with people, too, that said, what do you want from the guy? He tried, and as it turned out, Hasty and Stuart Cousins and all those folks just weren't listening. Let me ask and you I a said, question. Go ahead. Yeah. He sat down with yeah. Shamu. 
El Jefe Chris Christie for two hours. What the hell could Chris Christie tell him about running the city? Then he sits down with Andrew Evilized Cuomo, right? Yes. The head of the Cuomo crime family for two hours at a restaurant. What the hell does he know about resolving crime? Hasn't Eric Adams said, unless we provide public safety, people will never come back to work. He says it all the time. It's worse now than when you think it would be incumbent upon him to sit down with the one guy who's done it over and over again, Rudy Giuliani. Who knows how to make this city safe? Rudy Giuliani. Sit down with former mayor Rudy Giuliani and pick his man. No, but, 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 but we went over this before. He, he did not like the city under Giuliani. He is on record saying, and I quote, in fact, I told Rudy this. He was kind of shocked that he thought Rudy Giuliani's tactics were racist. He wanted to go back to the days of David Dinkins. Well, that's because, said, 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 that's because when David Dinkins was running, he was asked. Remember, he was a Republican then. I support Rudy Giuliani. He's tough on crime. And David Dinkins, my friend, is soft. This guy is a fake, phony, fraudulent fugazi. You tell your friend <laughs> Bo Tito, where the hell is the crime going down? All these big markers in the city who kissed his black tokers. Oh, save us. Save <laughs> us. Where are they now? Where are they now? Well, and Michael Goodwin today. Yes. I mean, just strafing him. The New York Post finally turning on him. Well, well, you know what? That started with me. I had Michael Goodwin on the show. You were there, Justin, two weeks ago, and I said, Hey, Mike, can you tell me what this affinity for, for Eric Adams, where it comes from? And he goes, Sid, for whatever it's worth, I'm starting to go your way now. So he, that started here with me. But I think people are getting wise to the act. The question becomes, for folks who don't want to get wise, Curtis, and really want to believe the city's going to come back, is there no hope with Eric Adams? I mean, no hope? No. Look. The guy has to actually get into the subways himself. He's got to lead the men and women. Their morale is shot, the police are. How can you have morale in a police department when you have seen calling white cops crackers? When he's in that St. Patrick's Day parade on the 17th, and he's smiling and he's waving in his Ferragamos and his designer <laughs> suits, why doesn't he call them out? Hey, all you guys, I used to work out. With, hey, kiss, the, kiss my Barney Stone, you crackers. <laughs> I mean, don't you understand? This is systemically involved in his thinking. I, He's I not going to get the morale of the police officers who have to go out and do the heavy lifting. I will say this, though, because I'm on the subway quite a bit, not as much as you, but I'm on it uh, at least once a day. And I have seen a bigger police presence on the Upper West Side, specifically, Curtis. I do a lot of traveling between West 72nd Street and 103rd. I see more cops, and I do see more cops walking the beat up around 96 and Broadway through Harlem. I have seen that. Is that Eric Adams? Oh, no. Really? Have you seen his crime stats up in your neighborhood? Uh, oh, have you terrible. seen Have you seen the people fleeing the exodus continues from Florida? I'm gone in two weeks. So if you saw more cops who were playing around on their cell phones and iPhones and smartphones, sexting and texting, what the hell do they need cell phones for? They got Motorola radios that we paid for. They should lock up their cell phones when they report to the precinct or the transit police precinct, pick them up at the end of their shift. If there's an emergency, they got a freaking Motorola radio. Radio that we paid for. <laughs> listen, what is this nonsense? Uh, listen, I'm on your side. You know that. I mean, I know uh, Greg Kelly, for example, he hates this guy because of the whole thing with his father. But the only real uh, host at the station that has been with you from day one about Eric has been me. Yes. I'm on your side. But, but, are you willing to admit, even though your points are 100% true, 100% true, and I think you've been right the whole way, that because you lost to him, you're a little more psychotic than the average person who may be upset 
with Eric Adams. Well, you take, actually, you, you I, take it very personal. I was in Lou Rafino's uh, neighborhood uh, yesterday, Maspeth, Middle Village, Glendale, Bay Ridge, Whitestone, and uh, College Point. And you know what? They already have the bumper stickers. Don't blame me. I voted for Sliwa. Is that right? They're giving him up. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Sliwa. So does this mean that when Eric Adams let, – let's let's hope he, it comes through. He does a good job. I'm with you. I don't think he will. Let's hope he does. But if he doesn't, does that mean you will run again? Will Curtis Lee will run again for office in right New York now, Right now I have a mission. I am so pissed off. First off, it just ended. You have sitting in here <laughs> yeah. who ran through 20 talk show hosts who have been here at WABC. How long are we, we going to do this? Forever. 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 This is going to go on forever? You said Dr. Gil Lederman was better than me. Did, you did say Dr. Gil I yes. never that was said Dr. Gil And now, full page ad. God bless him, John Casamitidis. Full page ad. Today's New York Post. I promoted right? this, yes. And all of a sudden you see Frank Morano on one side. Me on the other side. And Dr. Gil Lederman right there on the bottom. No. <laughs> and you praising to the umpteenth Frank Morano with dramatic increases in the overnight ratings. That's true. Hey, am I chopped liver here? No, I know you own the I weekends. I got two nights, and you know what? Right. The other night, on Sunday going to Monday, he told me, I don't want you calling yours the weekend edition of the other side of midnight. I said, fine, buddy. Who Let's- said this? That's right, Frank Morano. Oh, my God. Is that Because true? he's envious of the fact that as soon as I lost the election, right, remember, November 2nd, was on the air that weekend that all of a sudden the ratings have risen. You think that part of that is me, Sid Rosemary? You've been around this business long enough to know. You think part of the reason that the ratings are skyrocketing is Curtis? Now, you could give me progressive breadcrumbs. He won't even acknowledge that. Let me tell you something. This is war. War. You know, you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, you're brilliant. You, you, you're, you're just brilliant. finding that out. I, I know, but it is. I, I watch you, and I'm like, yes, you're great at this. You, you, you have the. You know, radio is all theater. I know you folks know theater that. of the you're, mind, right? And you're so great at this, but but you are crazy because while you, you, you're coming off like it's all part of the shtick and all that, you really do uh, have contempt for Eric Adams. You really do have contempt for uh, contempt for uh, Frank Morano. Yes. You're really angry about all this stuff. And in fact, you know how I'm going to settle it with yes. Frank? You know how I'm going to settle it with Frank? We're going to the Colonnade Diner right on Highland oh, Boulevard. The, the epicenter of Staten Island. And we're going to stand at the door and ask people, do you listen to Curtis Lewa? Or do you listen to Frank Morano the other side of midnight? Well, well, who gets better ratings? You on the weekends or Frank on overnights? Well, look, it's a combination of the rating. You know that. Right, it's right. seven days a week. Sure. He won't give me credit for the two days. Why not? That I, because, let's face it, he wants to make it seem like it's all him. I mean, And right. by the way, yeah. he's like your kissing cousin. What do you mean? You know, all of a sudden you're swapping spit. <laughs> it's like you're two lost souls. I love Sid. It's like party. I love Sid. Sid loves me. <laughs> I love you too. So it's the mutual love society. I, I happen to like the guy. He's very good at what he does. That doesn't I mean you're not you, you're magnificent at what you do. But you're, you know, you're, you're clearly and angry I'm at everybody. You. I'm now, mad, mad at you because you co-opted ABC, which always stood for always broadcasting, Curtis. And then you said, "Oh, but I do one more hour than you, Curtis." That's true. Right? Admit yeah. it. Well, I am. I have become the star of the station. I'm sorry. I gotta come. I gotta come into the midday lineup or the daytime lineup and take some real estate. That's the only way to straighten you, Sid. Well, what is it going to happen? I've been asking for, yeah, for months. Don't worry about it. Okay. Mind your beast, all right. Huh? All right. All right. This was uh, maybe your best appearance ever. Maybe ever. 
Anybody else you're angry at? Anybody, somebody, it's got to be somebody else. Come on, give me somebody else. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Come up with some, some talk show hosts who appeared here back when we first came on the air in Newark, New Jersey, almost 100 years ago. Who were there? Give me, give me some names quickly. Give me some names. Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, right? Come on. Come on. I'm not falling into this little trap here. <laughs> He's not playing this game. No, he lives in Chappaqua, the whitest suburb in exactly. America. Where right. Even exactly. the lawn jockeys are white. That's exactly. true. So I'm entitled to just believe that everything I say is correct. By the way, I did you skateboard? Why weren't you out there with Eric Adams in Tompkins Square Park showing him that white boys can skateboard? They may not be able to jump, but they know how to skateboard, and he didn't. I can do neither. I can neither jump nor skateboard. Are you still skateboard. mad at uh, Ron Kuby, too, or is that over? Of course. I hate him. He testified on behalf of John Gotti Jr. at that trial. Remember when he was he was charged with kidnapping and trying to kill me? I'm just kidding. Are you still mad at John Gotti Jr. because you guys did kiss and make up at some dog event? Wait a second. A He's a dog lover, right? I said that's a good thing. But you should shower tonight. Night and slip and fall and break your neck. God would have done me justice. All right, folks. There you I'll have get it. you too, Lou Rafino. What are you doing back here? <laughs> I remember he walked in and I knew it was over for us. Me and Kubi in the morning. He's checking out the boards oh, and yeah. I said to Kubi, "That's it. That's We're it. dead. They're bringing in Ibis. No, they're not bringing in Ibis because I saw Lou Rafino coming. You remember that, Lou? You remember that like it was yesterday." He hates you, too. I never it. forget. I never no, forget, never forget. I never no, forget. I, I, I've noticed that. That was a brilliant appearance. Thank you. What a great hour, everybody. Ralph, uh, excuse me, Ralph, Judge Napolitano, Curtis Sliwa. Still to come, Bill O'Reilly and Tim Tebow. Only halfway through this epic Thursday edition of Bernie and Sid. Keep it right here. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Justin Alex Stephanie Mills never knew love like this before. For some reason, as we start hour three of this great program, what a great seven o'clock hour, George Napolitano and Curtis Leva. You got uh, Lydia Reports, Bill O'Reilly, and Tim Tebow still to come your way. But for some reason, Luke, something tells me you're behind this. Uh, you walked in here moments ago, leaned over, unprovoked, kind of weird, and you whispered in my ear, I'm proud of you. Which um, is very nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh-huh. And then, uh, like, moments after that, I got a text from Eric Salas, who's one of our geniuses in our graphics department. And the text read, I'm proud of you. And then literally seconds after that, Chad's daughter, the lovely and brilliant Gabby Lopez, sent me a text with flames and hearts, which also read, I'm proud of you. So I know I'm hosting, but um, I feel like I should know what's going on. What's... What's going on here? Why can't we just be proud of you? Well, because I'm supposed to be proud of you. You're not supposed to be proud of me. We're, we're, I'm the host. We're all very proud of you, Sid. Mm-hmm. Look at you. You're on the number one show 
in the number one. Well, no, we are the number one show. Yeah, co- co- correct. Collectively, right. we are the number right. one show. Right. But, but what, what's going on here? I'm, there's something. There's, I feel like something's about. Why can't it, he be proud of you? But he's not supposed to be proud of me. Lou, are you proud of him? I'm. I'm very proud. Of oh him. my God, Justin, are you proud of him? Am I what? That's are you no. proud of Sid? <laughs> Why would I be proud of Sid? Oh, so thank Sid, you, Sid, thank you. I have I have nothing to prove to him. He has nothing to prove to me. I feel like Rob Gronkowski in that show on like Nickelodeon when they're about to dump a bunch of that uh, oozy gookie stuff all over him. What 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 is about to happen here? You what, mean the slime? The slime. What you're am I missing? Slime them. You're you're not, not, you're I don't think you're missing anything, Sid. I think we're all just very proud. I just of you. got a a six four six number. Excuse me. I don't have all these numbers in my phone, and it says, and I quote, "I'm proud of you." Huh? Mm. What do you me. think it is? Wasn't me. I think if you look at uh, if you look at News Three right now, you might have your answer. Oh, Frankie Diaz with an E. Okay. I, yeah, so you're, you're proud of me too. That was me. That was I mean, me. it's very nice. Thank you, guys. I'm, guys, he doesn't need any more. Like he doesn't need any more positive affirmation. Yes, he does. Uh, why? Justin, why? can you, you support his, your coworker? You don't think his head once? is his head is like ginormous look, as is? Look, he's blushing completely. Like his whole head is. Blushing. I went tanning yesterday. I'm not blushing. What's the matter with you? <laughs> why are you in such a bad mood? Me? Yes. I'm Everybody's happy. Mood. I'm not in a bad mood. Okay. I, I just think you know we need to. Why? We, we need to watch. Um, that's no, that's Danielle's job, not yours. You can't, you can't be nice enough to me. Danielle's job is to tell me every night how great I am, but calm down. So you just want me to butter you up at I don't, all times. I, don't, I don't want to care what you do. <laughs> that's her job? No, that's her job. She's just got to butter up Sid like he's okay. a croissant. Sid, do you know what the P in Justin P. Ellick stands for? I have no idea. Party pooper. Oh, party pooper. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. I'm all proud of you, too. It's very, very nice. I still feel like I'm the butt of some joke. And when I walk out of here today, you're all going to be giggling in that in that graphics department and do what you guys do, edibles and watch TV and make fun of me and all that stuff. And I guess I'll figure it out one day. Some and, of that's true. Of course it is. And Bernard's not here, so he can't help me. So we'll, we'll just have to go with it. He's uh, the one who should be taking edibles. <laughs> I love those. Hey, let's get to uh, Jennifer Granholm this morning, the energy secretary. We've done a very good job, I think, covering the latest in Ukraine and Russia. We played Zelensky today. We played Joe Biden today, Jen Psaki, all of that. And then, of course, we did cover the gas price dilemma uh, last hour. Oh, my God. Here's another one. Let's see this. Peter King, the great congressman himself. <laughs> and I quote, he's a funny bastard, this guy. Am I supposed to be proud of you, too? <laughs> yes, Peter, and I'm proud of you. Thank you, Peter King, who was great on this show yesterday. So we covered the, the gas price thing with Ducey and Saki. So, look, here's the bottom line, okay? Everybody believes that if we were still energy independent, right, and we didn't close the Keystone Pipeline, all these fatal blunders, if they were blunders, and not something more evil than that, more evil than that that Joe Biden did, we wouldn't be enduring some of the pain we are enduring right now. Uh, I firmly believe, and so does Bernie and Peter King and others, that closing the keystone, and John Katsimatidis, who's the smartest guy I know when it comes to this stuff, no one's even close, evidenced by billions of dollars in this industry, that closing the Keystone Pipeline was a huge, huge kick in the ass for us. Negative, not in a good way. And yet Granholm yesterday says that's nonsense. Has nothing to do with gas prices. Nothing to do with it. What is she talking about? Here she is. Energy Secretary Jen Granholm yesterday. Play both cuts, three and four, Lewis. You're not going to believe how ridiculous she sounds. You know this. I mean, people are arguing that if 
a pipeline that wouldn't have even been in operation by now were still under construction, the situation in, with today's oil prices would be different, or that President Biden's policies have decreased production when we're actually at record levels of natural gas and LNG and will be at record levels of oil production, hopefully by next year. We all know that that is the same old DC BS. And I'm asking, I know you are, aren't we finally ready to work together to confront this moment of crisis and to come out stronger on the other side? I'm here to tell you that the Department of Energy and the entire Biden administration is ready to work with you right. to seize the moment of opportunity with clean energy, and that means seeing technologies as fast as possible, See, Putin's when, actions, oh, sorry. and the resolve of the Ukrainian people give me even more determination to get this energy transition right. Nauseating. You know, the truth is, I know this, the U.S. government has always partnered with the energy industry in times of need. For over 100 years, over 120 years, the oil and gas industry has powered our nation and has gotten us to where we are today. And we are eternally grateful for that. And we want you to power this country for the next 100 years with zero carbon technologies. I think it's, it's often um, hard to see history in the making when you're right at the middle of it. But I think that we are on the cusp of the most important transition that human society has ever seen. <laughs> I mean, just completely delusional. The Keystone pipeline wouldn't matter. Prices wouldn't be lower. We're on the cusp of something great. What am I missing? You know, you feel like when things are going really badly, like even crazy people, like the discussion we just had with Curtis Sliwa, even crazy people will come around, right? When you start to see people getting attacked with a hammer day in and day out on a subway, when you see people shoved in front of a speeding subway, young, beautiful women killed on the tracks, when people can't walk down the street here in New York City, you think that eventually they put the politics aside, the craziness would start to go away, and even people like Andrea Stewart-Cousins, Carl Hasty, Kathy Hochul, you would think they would have this come-to-Jesus moment and figure it out. But they don't. I mean, you heard Granholm there. We know, we know what the Keystone Pipeline meant in terms of energy production and jobs. They're not going to do it. Jen Psaki, Jen Psaki actually doubled down on what Jen Granholm said yesterday and said, Keystone, that ain't happening. Cut seven. Is a restart of the Keystone XL construction completely off the table as long as Joe Biden is president? Well, why don't you tell me what that would help address? <laughs> I'm asking you if it is an option. You guys say all options are on the table. Is restarting Keystone construction one of them? If we're trying to bring about more supply, that does not address any problem. It's supplied from Canada, a friendly ally, instead of that's, Saudi Arabia. That's already that's are, we're already getting that oil, Peter. It's the the pipeline is just a delivery mechanism. It is not an oil field, so it does not provide more supply into the system. Is it does it not address. Is it possible that Joe Biden will ever say? You there's, guys can go ahead with construction of Keystone XL. There's no plans for that, and it would not address any of the problems we're having currently.
I just got a text from Boomer Esaias, and he said he's proud of me. <laughs> How about that, Lou? This is not going to go away. No, it's while, never going to go away. No. So we kept hearing for months and months that the issue with gas prices is not about Putin. This was going on well before this horrific war. And we were told it was supply chain issues, right? It was post-pandemic issues. These were the reasons why gas prices were starting to climb. But as I said about two hours ago, Putin has now become the excuse of the world, right? If you're a woman right now and you're having a really rough menstrual cycle, this period sucks. It's Putin's fault. Not the first thing you would think of, right, Lou? Kind of a weird. I'm using it. To... I'm using it from now on. <laughs> Where's Lou? Oh, yeah, Putin took him. <laughs> Anything that's gone wrong or is going wrong in your life, you that's can it. blame on Putin. That's it. So, Ducey, I like this kid, Peter Ducey. He's got, he's got balls of steel. So, he's with Saki yesterday. He's the only guy that does this. And he says, wait a second. You were telling us it's this, it's that. Now it's Putin? What is it? Here's Ducey and Saki. This is uh, cut 17. Why did you guys decide to rebrand the rise in gas prices as the hashtag Putin price hike? I mean, if you want to use that on Fox, I welcome that. But oh, on Fox. I think it'll get a lot of airtime because we have heard the president warn for months the gas prices were rising because of the supply chain and because of post-pandemic demand. If you guys knew for months that this was going to be the hashtag Putin price hike, why are we just hearing that now? Well, Peter, if we go back to six months ago, I don't think anybody was predicting we would be exactly where we are as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. As you know, that events in the world, including the invasion by Russia of a foreign country, does uh, prompt uh, instability and volatility in the global oil market. Oh, okay. Well, if you don't believe me that she did blame Putin, which actually was the reason why Peter Ducey came out of that hard yesterday. Here it is. This is uh, Jen Psaki 8 blaming Putin, not supply chain, not pandemic issues, nothing else, not Biden, blaming Putin for the issue on hand today. Since President Putin uh, began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, the price of gas at the pump in America has gone up 75 cents, which is significant, of course. The price of gas on February 14th was at, at a high, highest level since 2014, so it was already at an elevated level. I, I want to ask And you- the buildup of troops was even before that. So yesterday, <laughs> Alec brought up some actor, some random actor. I don't even know why you brought him up. But you guys know, of course, I'm moving on from the gas stuff. Uh, they're going to Hollywood, blah, 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 blah. Movie, Gemini Lounge. So Ellick brings up this actor and, and says on the air that he's more handsome than me. And then Lou Rafino, who has been really complimentary of me lately, doubles down and says, yeah, Sid, I hate to tell you, but the guy really is. He's like, he's like, a, you know, he's a Hollywood movie star. He looks like a movie star. I was just agreeing, not doubling down like we were attacking you. Felt like an attack. Okay. Yeah. That's accurate. So Fine. you said... <laughs> However you you want it. So you said yesterday, because you know me so well, 22 years, Lou goes, you got to understand, I know Sid. This is going to bother him all day. And I said, stop. You're being ridiculous. I woke up last night about 1130 in sweat. And I ran to my phone and started Googling this actor once again, just to make sure you guys were right. I've got like uh, a button real estate. 
inside of your brain. <laughs> you did. I you, like. I live there. You've rented the whole apartment. And then I, I say one thing. Yeah. And I'm like rattling around in your brain. I'm like that monkey who's just clapping yeah. together the symbols. For in two your days, brain. you've ruined my last two days. I've ruined your last. I mean, two the days. shows have been great. Everything's great, but you ruined my last two days. Yes. Because I mean, you play it off for a second like you don't care. I don't care. And then, uh, and then you tell me you're having nightmares about tortures it. me. Tortures okay. me. Gotcha. And now to make it worse, since all of you started this little I'm proud of you game, right? Gabby Lopez. Which I think is stupid, by the way. Peter King and all you got now. What game? Whatever game that you're playing. We're proud of uh, you. You're doing something. I don't know. But now what's bothering me is for folks that haven't texted me, I'm proud of you. Now I'm wondering why. Like, where's Katsimatidi's text? I'm proud of you. Yeah, that's the only reason. Uh, where's you- Chad Lopez? Yeah. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Where's um, you see what Leslie you guys Slender? You see what you got? This is why I'm against the uh, we're all proud of Sid movement. Why? Because now it's turned into, uh, okay, because um, you want to be need, miserable yeah. and you don't want to say anything nice about your coworkers. Right. So you got to come on here. Now you need everybody to tell you Justin's that. right because I, I can't just take the now. I'm starting to think, okay, you guys are playing the game. What about the people I really want to be proud of me? Why aren't they texting me? Right. Right. So Justin's Why not in that group? Well, that's, really, the, that's no. the glass half empty uh, mindset that you um, yeah. you know kind of walk around with on a daily basis. Torture, bro. By it's the way, this actor control. this actor is ninety eight, I think, right now, and he's a silver Ni- fox. No, 90, he's still ninety three. Still, sorry. still has a full head of I, hair. No, and, yeah, and he still looks pretty good. Said he. He still looks better and he's 93? Oh, 93. 93, yeah. 93, okay. Very good. All right, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I just want to have, have a good night again. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Bill O'Reilly coming up at 840 and then really excited about this. Tim Tebow coming up at 940. Lydia Reports is coming up next. It's been a great show. There's still a lot more good stuff to come your way. This is the Thursday edition of Bernie and Sid in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Well, Sid, could the extremely left-leaning politics of CNN be coming to an end? Well, it could be. But before you get to that, I must read this. Curtis Sliwa. He said, uh, he's funny, Curtis. Sid, I will be proud of you if you choose me as your favorite overnight show, not Frank Morano. He just actually well, texted me that. I, I told you, know, didn't I tell you yesterday, what was it, yesterday or the day before that I was so proud of you and I think you're the best of the best? Did I not? You, you did say that, yes. Thank you. But, well, but, but you're, being, you're being sincere. There's some type of game they're playing here. I don't know We're what it is. We're not playing any game. Yeah, there's a game going and What's on. funny about Curtis is he's literally just sitting oh, he's a psycho. 15 feet away. He's a psycho. And he's like texting I know. away. He's, he's texting. But yeah. I, I did read, Lydia, what you're talking about, that the new guy – the guy that replaced Jeff Zucker at CNN wants yes. to make it more like a middle of the road real news station and not the Trump Haiti nonsense they've done for years. Right, because the ratings speak for themselves. They are dead last. Fox News, everybody and their mother is killing them. So what does that mean for CNN media critic Brian Stelter? Because that's all he does. All he talks about is slamming Trump, slamming Fox News. It's all Jim Acosta does. That's what Don Lemon does. So I have a little source, another one of my little sources in the talent TV, talent agency world. And he told me that this guy, Chris Light, is even talking to other agents about bringing in new talent that don't have politics that are so left-leaning. So what does that mean? If he's looking for new talent, does that mean certain people are out? And then I looked at Brian Stelter's Twitter, and he hasn't been bashing Fox News or Trump in the last week or so, which is very 
high, very, very unusual. And he's also known as Zucker's little puppet. So if I was him, I'd be worried. I mean, he's very arrogant. So is his wife, Jamie, on New York One. They make a ton of money. I, I know how much Jamie makes. It's like, it's, it's vile. And it's like, she, you know she, what? She's on, she's on that morning show with Pat Kiernan. And he and, makes a ton of money, too. It's unbelievable. What, what do you mean a ton of money? Um, I, I'm talking like seven figures, Pat Kiernan. No, and no, no, no. no Lydia, she, he, trust me. No one there makes close to seven I'm figures. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm those telling two. you. Trust me. If, if, they make, if, they make, if they make 250000 I'd be no. shocked. No, no, no. No one's no, making a million dollars at New York One, Lydia. Not even Errol Lewis. Nobody. Yes. No, yes. Because no. of that whole lawsuit thing that I happened. I don't care. With those ladies. I understand. With those ladies. I understand uh, the older ones They have are the out. same agent. I know, but they're not getting a million dollars there. Are you nuts? He's getting a million. He is. Pat Cunin? Figures. Yeah. I guarantee he's not. Guaranteed. Okay, let's call him up. Let's call him up. He's Get up, Pat Cunin on the show. Get Pat Kiernan on the phone. I, and the recent ratings, MSNBC, Joy Reid, they're talking about ending her show altogether. Thank and God. for good reason. Yeah. She, she's such, she's a, she's a complete racist. She hates white people. She literally hates them. She has no sympathy for what's going on in Ukraine. A maternity hospital was bombed. You see pregnant women being let out on stretchers, blood soaked. And this is from the Associated Press. So this is def- this is verified by a legitimate news agency that this actually happened, that babies were bombed. Pregnant women in the middle of giving birth were bombed. And listen to what Joy Reid had to say about it. Mm, civilized. Okay, let's face it. The world is paying attention because this is happening in Europe. If this was happening anywhere else, would we see the same outpouring of support and compassion? Well, we don't need to ask ourselves if the international response would be the same if Russia unleashed their horror on a country that wasn't white and largely Christian. Because Russia has already done it in Syria. This is a teachable moment for us in the media. Does she remember when Russia did do that with Syria, who came to the rescue? Donald Trump. Of course, she wouldn't mention right. that. But, but yeah, everything with her is black and white. Everything is color. She is a disgrace. Uh, I, I really believe the two worst personalities on television, female, female, as we continue to celebrate International Women's Month, are her and Joy Behar on The View. Those are two of the most unlikable, nasty, racist ignorant, stupid women I've ever seen and or met. Those two, Joy Reid, Joy Behar, both Joys with very little joy. Uh, it's, they, they are, it's sad. It's sad that they have so much hate in their heart. And I wanted to bring up another story too, because you know how we're very, people don't realize, Sid, that you're a very sensitive kind of guy. People <laughs> yeah. don't understand that. You're very, what do you mean? Very... They've, they've heard me cry when my father died on this show. They've heard me cry over my wife and kids. I think I think people... Well, maybe you're right. Maybe they don't. You're right. No, I really think that people don't realize like how sensitive you are, how much you care about your kids. You're always talking about your kids. You're always talking about, and you. I think you you genuinely care about your kids and your family. You're always talking about them. People yes. don't realize off the air. They're like, oh, Sid always talks about himself. It's like oh, it's when true. I know you Stupid. off air, right. you're always talking about your family, your right. kids, how much you worry about them, what's going well, listen, on. on. Listen, on air too. I mean, look, it's not my fault. Sorry, folks, that I've got movie opportunities, TV opportunities, book opportunities, co-host this show. That's not my fault. That's a testament to my talent. If you don't like that, you can listen to something else. But the idea, you know, when Howard Stern is hosting the number one show in the world and he's on the, uh, what is that show he was on with? Uh, Simon Cowell's on it now, the uh, 
you know, the America's uh, got talent. Yes, America's got talent. He talked about it every day. I mean, when I missed stuff outside of the show, he talked about it every day. The idea that all I'm going to do is come in and go back and forth with Bernie about Trump and Biden. That's not a radio show. So uh, it's it's very little. It's a lot less than these people claim it is. But, yes, I've got other opportunities, which makes me Bernie. This show gives us more exposure, gives the station more exposure, gets people very, very excited. And the overwhelming majority, not the six people that call Frank Morano at five o'clock in the morning, love that stuff. So to your point, to your point, it's exaggerated. But, yes, at the end of the day, it's about my wife and my kids first. Everything else lines up. Way behind. Right. Life is prep. People don't realize that your whole, when you're a radio show host or talk show host, I, I hosted the other day, my whole life is prep. That's why even if they told me 10 minutes beforehand, which has happened, Greg Kelly had to call out sick one day because there was a COVID scare over at Newsmax. I jumped in the chair. I did a two-hour show because I'm always prepped because I talk about life and news and everything that's going on. I want to bring to your attention something that's very disturbing. And thank God your kids are actually more grown up than mine. Mine is only five years old. So Tom Bevan, who is the co-founder of Real Clear Politics, he said that last night his fifth grader told him that his vocabulary words for science class this week, they actually gave, this is prove it, he actually took a picture of the homework assignment and put it on Twitter. Here are the five science words that his kid has to learn the definitions of. And this is in Illinois. Uh, Adolescence, consent, transgender, cisgender and non-binary why does a fifth grader need to know and then you should hear what consent is permission for something to happen or agreement to do something to i have my i mean non-binary cisgender when a person's gender identity is the same as their sex assigned at birth this is what's going on in our school system so I'm worried. I'm really oh, worried that my kid's going to come home and be you brainwashed. Be. That's why I was going to ask you, you know, down in Florida now, they're talking about the anti-gay stuff. You can't talk about the gay stuff. Ron DeSantis. It's not true. That's a that's a fallacy. That's hey, a fallacy. It's a lie. No, no, it's a lie. It's a lie. If you look, these people are so stupid, they're not even looking at the bill. The bill just says if you are from kindergarten to third grade, they don't want to talk about sex. They don't say don't talk about being gay. They say don't talk about sex, period, because you're too young from the age of five to eight years old. What's wrong with that? Nothing. What's wrong with that? We shouldn't even need a bill for that. I, so I that's agree. why this false narrative that they're perpetuating, the don't say gay bill, that's not true. That right. is a, it's a lie. There it's a you lie. have it, folks. That's what makes Lydia and John and that show at 5 o'clock great. They tell you the real news, not the fake news. And by the way, this, as always, was a great report. I love being on with you guys, as always. You, Lou, Justin, Luke, and Frank Diaz out there in the newsroom, Jacqueline Carl, Deb Valentine, a great (laughs) crew, of course, heralded by the great Chad Lopez and John Katzmatidis and Margo. And, yes, 5 o'clock, Cats and Night, you don't want to miss it. Last night, John's like, oh, I got some breaking news from, um, oh, my God, now General Jack Keane. I got breaking news from General Jack Keane. I'm like, oh, Oh, my God. And so, like, we never know who's going to be on Cats at Night, 5 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. Thank you, Lydia. Just got a text from the great Chuck Scholl, who was forced into retirement by the police department last year, one of the great Brooklyn cops ever. And he said, this is getting a little crazy now, Lewis. He said, and no, I, no, no, that's no, no more. The cops no in more. the street that no listen more. to you are proud of you. 
Now you got Brooklyn cops. Well, that's the nicest one you've read so far. A hundred percent. I mean, the rest of them, we got to put the can of well, worms back in the, the can. If that was the only one, it'd be fine. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, Jesus Christ. Right. I can't wait to see who's next. I'm actually. Yeah, not, me too. Now you started this whole this, thing. This is, getting, this is getting worse than the diner conversation. I know. I know. This is driving me nuts. The diner conversation was the best segment we've done in five years. I understand. But yeah. then, you know, you know, everybody wants to jump in. I understand. It's like. Yeah, okay. Look how jealous you get. God. The I'm proud of you text continue to come in. This uh, joke that they're all playing on me. I'm the butt of the joke. That's fine. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. I've looked up to this guy for the better part of three decades. I can't believe he's on the show every week. We become friends. He's great. His show here at 9 o'clock every weeknight is as good as it gets. It's terrific. And his website, BillOReilly.com, is the best place to get real news. The only place, maybe. That's it. His interviews, his TV shows, his latest column, Defeating Putin, which is a great column. You get those there. His Killing series, and right now his latest one, Killing of the Killers, that's his best work. Uh, That's out. All those books are great. Just had that great tour with Donald Trump in the states of Florida and Texas. The man's a genius, and he's a friend. He's the great Bill O'Reilly. Good morning, Bill. How are you, buddy? I don't know about the genius part, Sid. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble walking my dog here, so I don't know about that. Well, I'll Thank take you. it. I, I was nervous you were going to say, I don't know about the friend part, but you let the genius part in. That's good. No, you're a good guy. Sid's a good guy. You see him on the street, you you know, give him a little uh, high five. Uh, you're a good guy. Thank I, you. You know, look, you know me. I don't brook... Um, I don't brook phonies. No, you don't. That's the worst thing you can be in my eyes is a phony. I totally agree. And I've gotten to know you pretty well, and you will not tolerate that. You won't. No. That's the worst, because when you were raised in Levittown, and it was your upbringing in Brooklyn, right? Yes. It's the same, same because masses of people moved out to Levittown from Brooklyn after World War II. Everybody knows the story. But no matter how rough the upbringing was, it was authentic. And the worst thing you could be was uh, two-faced. Mm-hmm. You know, even among kids eight and nine, you know, we just didn't tolerate it. And I always and I incorporate that into my adulthood. And that's why you're so successful, because when you say something, besides the fact you're very bright and you do your homework and you've got the conviction, you, we, we know where you're coming from, okay? So when you write a story, for example, today defeating Putin, and you lay out in, in very specific terms what has to happen to get this guy out of the way. We know at the very least, Bill O'Reilly, that you're being honest and you've done your homework and it may work. Tell us about this column today. Well, it's basically that once you cross a certain line in the world, there's no going back. So Putin is now Saddam Hussein. That's the best analogy. And tonight on Common Sense on WBC at 9, I'm going to bring three people in, John Penn, Rob Reiner and Stephen King. Oh, you stop. Are you being serious? I'm serious. They're not going to be on, but I'm I'm analyzing all three. Wait wait a second. They're going to be on the air? No, no, no. They're not going to be on the on. I'm analyzing what they said in the Iraq War in 2003 to what they're saying now about Putin. And it's totally opposite on all three. All three are far, far left progressive people. And then I'm going to explain why. Because it's a bigger scale now with Putin than it was with Saddam. But it was pretty intense with Saddam, particularly because 
I and millions of others in the world believe that this guy had a stockpile of weaponry that could wipe out half the world. And that was because of the New York Times actually saying it on page one and then Colin Powell, the secretary of state, backing it up. That's how I formulated my opinion. That turned out to be erroneous. But you have to basically evaluate things the way they are. So now, Putin, we just can't say, oh, yeah, all right, Vlad, just kind of withdraw and everything will go back the way it was. No. We have to try to break them. And I think we're on the way to doing that with the Russian economy. I mean, once they can't get Big Macs over there, there's going to be a revolution. Once those Big Macs stop... (laughs) <laughs> and the Coke and the Pepsi. Um, and I think I had a good line in the column. I said, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to step out on the steps. Yep. Yep. Because those people have no <laughs> money now at all. And the ruble is down 50%. So just let's get this guy once and for all, send a message to China. Very important. So we'll see how it plays out. You know, Peter Ducey yesterday went after Jen Psaki because she's blaming everything on Putin, basically. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, gas prices. It used gas to be the supply chain. Cool. It used to be the pandemic. Now it's gas prices. It's it's become very convenient after the pandemic was out for two years, Bill, to blame everything going on wrong in the on world Putin. today on Putin, right? You're, yes, absolutely. And the New York Times carrying water the same way. And it's a simple equation. You just look at the math. When Trump left office, $2.50 a gallon average in the country, approximately. All right. Before Putin invaded, $3.50 a gallon. Gas went up a buck a gallon under Biden for 13 months. Okay? Wow. That's the truth. Now, you can spin it, and they do, but you've got to be a moron to believe this been remember the remember the comedian sam kennison i loved him and i miss him right, desperately. the guy yes. who screamed yes. he just screamed when i see jen saki say this stuff <laughs> ah, ah, i'm screaming just like sam kennison oh my god that's what i'm doing oh, i know and then the media lets her get away with it well Poor i know peter Ducey, he's the only one and i guess there are a few others for newsmax and oan but He's the primary one, but Peter makes a mistake. He doesn't bring in the data, you know, the actual data that I just gave WABC listeners. That's how you formulate a question with Jen Psaki, who is so slick. And just today there's a report that she's got job offers on her table from NBC News, CNN, all the liberal broadcasters want her. Because she is slick. But you can get her by just putting up the numbers on the screen. You know, Jen Psaki would be a great PR person for, say, the New York Mets. Right. So then the guy's hitting 213, right? And he's striking out 40% of the time. And she goes, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not watching it the way he's giving up his impact to advance the runner. And that's again, you know, kind of like what the guy can't hit, yeah. right? It's like Biden can't govern. Ah! <laughs> You're right, but she's very good at what she does. Oh. I, I said that this morning. I said you can call her all the names you want, but she's great at what she does because right. she just provides interference for all the nonsense that's going on. You've said the same thing. So yeah, now. And- 
She's a very slick, and you know, today is the anniversary of the conviction of Axis Sally. I do this again tonight. Uh, we do a This Day in History, who was the propagandist English speaker, American, worked for Hitler and broadcast all over the world in English this unbelievable propaganda. Now, I'm not saying that the Biden administration and Saki are Axis Sally. Right, I mean, that's right. ridiculous. Right. But it's the same kind of, I'm going to say whatever I'm told to say. And the media, the corporate media, is going to accept it. Yeah, yeah, because um, it really goes back to Trump. It's amazing how much they hated Trump. I mean, here's Biden a couple of days ago saying he's pumping out more oil than Trump did. I know you talked about that on your uh, morning message. I mean, that's just a flat-out lie, right, Bill? It, it's just a flat – you see, when you say lie in Biden, there's a problem ethically because I don't think Biden even knows what he's saying. Are you sure he's not just evil? Are you giving him a pass? No, I don't think he's evil. Okay. I think Pelosi is, okay, but not Biden. Okay. I think Biden is amazingly befuddled. He do, he cannot process information. It's it's almost like, and, and this is going to sound bizarre, but I'm going to make the analogy anyway. It's almost like this: don't say gay law in Florida. Oh God! All right. Yeah. So what this is about is the state of Florida saying to teachers in the grades kindergarten through three. You are not to teach the kids about gender fluidity, all right, and about different kinds of alternative lifestyles. Hmm. Why? Because the children cannot process it. They don't understand it. Right. Children ages five to nine have trouble processing spaghetti. <laughs> yes, All right, yes, they're not yes. going to be able to understand Stonewall. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm watching this insane debate with Disney now getting involved. And the irony is here, gay, straight, whatever, most Americans can't afford to go to Disney World <laughs> or Disneyland <laughs> because true. you've jacked the prices up so high. Yep. How about working on that? So. The solution to this problem is for every state in the union to compel the schools to teach anti-bullying across the board. And I'm a former high school teacher. I saw it. That's what should be being taught, not ramming indoctrination about things kids can't understand down their throats. I couldn't agree more. And as a father of two kids myself, uh, thank God they're past that, that stage Gabriel's 13, Ava is 17, but I would be, and I lived in Florida, as you know, for 16 years, Boca Raton, uh, so I'll be okay there, but I'd be scared to death, I'm scared to death to send my kids to school these days, Bill. I mean, look, it's like if you had a religious nut in the classroom, a fanatical religious person, ramming some kind of ideology down the throat, some theology down the throat of your kid. Same thing. Right, it's the same thing. So you get some progressive woke person going in there and talking to a seven-year-old about stuff they can't possibly understand, and and this is okay? <laughs> no, it's not. But no, be- <laughs> that's why this law is there. Of course. And, you know, uh, the, the red states are going to pass it across the board. Georgia just introduced it. 
But, you know, I'm saying to myself, we are this country, United States, have lost all perspective. Yeah, we're insane now on this ideology. Insane. So I need a reason to feel better about the upcoming weekend. So we've got this raging war. You uh, describe Putin perfectly today in your column on BillOroddy.com. We've got inflation. We've got supply chain issues. You've got all this other stuff burning out of control. And all I know is, Bill, uh, at least uh, for the next two-plus years, three years, this guy is going to remain in office outside of midterm elections and the prospect of a Trump or a DeSantis in 2024. Is there any reason to believe that things can get better realistically anytime soon? Well, they always do. And history is, uh, uh, approves that. So this, isn't, this time in America is very difficult for people. And, uh, I mean, look at baseball. We don't even have baseball. I know. You know, because these people are running around and they can't come to some agreement. It's just ridiculous. So, yes, we're in a low cycle here. How low? Because you're a historian. You've been around a while. How low is it? I'd say it's middling low. It's not like uh, World War II or the Depression or World War I. Um, Certainly not like the 19th century wars with the Native Americans and the Civil War. So you've got to perspective. But you also have to be smart. So now you're going to change your household budget. All right. You're going to have to get a bicycle. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it is a lot of bicycles out there, yeah, yeah. you know, right into town. You're going to have to get smart. And now, and I tell my audience, look, you might want to, like, buy four boxes of Raisin brand instead of one. Yep. Because yep. those prices are going up. They're going to go up hard, uh, all food prices. And then you're going to have to cut back your restaurants if you want to keep a family budget intact. So that's just the reality of where we live. But once the progressive movement is destroyed, and that'll be in November, this country will then start to uptick. Okay. So it's the progressive movement that's, that's put us in this terrible position. And they're, of course, responsible for the cutback in fossil fuels under the banner of climate change. You know, it's uh, really hard to write a book. And I just wrote my second book. I pre-sell it now on Amazon. It's doing very, very well. You wrote the blurb. Thank you very much for that. Sure. And, you've, and you've written like 10 unbelievable books. Like every book you write is better than the last. And you've even been on record on this show with me and Bernie saying your latest in the Killing series, you really believe, may be your best work yet. And I've read a bunch of it. So has Bernard. We both agree. Tell us about this latest book. Well, Killing the Killers is out May 3rd. It's the best reporting I've ever done. I can't rank the Killing books because I love them all. And it's in Lent now, and, and uh, there's been an upsurge in Killing Jesus, which is the history of Jesus, not oh, wow. a religious book. Yeah, yeah. And, and every Lent this happens, and then Holy Week people watch the movie Killing Jesus, which is really a fine film. But Killing the Killers coming up May 3rd, I had to report things that have never been reported on Earth. I had to find out really how this war against the jihadists is being waged. And we go right up. The last part of the book is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. We're right on this edge here. Oh, you're talking about just most recently, even right before they killed our 13? It starts after 9-11 and bin Laden. Bin Laden is the opening chapter, what really happened there. And I'll remind everybody that Joe Biden was the only cabinet member in the Obama administration that said, don't go get him there. That's right. And we explain why and how it happened and all of that. 
And then we take it from the bin Laden um, assassination, if you want to call it that, because it really was. They weren't going to bring him back alive. Um, and then we bring it all the way up to the debacle in Afghanistan. But all of the things I'm telling you are not the things that you've read in the newspaper and heard on television news. They're all national security classified information. And people, every page, you're going to go, whoa, we're really doing that? Yes, yes. And we are really doing it. And we, you know what? We have to do it. And this Putin thing, there's going to be a ceasefire, I think, within the next three weeks. And Putin will carve out part of Ukraine for Russia. I think that's the way this is going to go down. But I don't think the sanctions are going to be immediately lifted against Russia. They're going to try to break Putin. But I see this thing as ending before summer. I could be wrong because I did say that Putin would not invade Ukraine because of the just horror that's being reaped not only on Ukraine but on his own country, Russia. Those people are suffering over there. Oh, you're right. No question. Listen, this was an amazing conversation, folks. Nine o'clock every weeknight, WABC, BillOReilly.com, just an amazing website. I love you, Bill. Every week you step up and hit a Grand Slam home run. Thank you for today. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Thank you. Okay, Sid. Thanks for having me in. You're the best. Bill O'Reilly, the absolute best. What a great conversation that was. Three hours in the books. Still to come. We got Beat Sid coming up and, yes, making his debut on the Bernie and Sid in the morning show, Tim Tebow. All that coming up next hour. Huey Lewis on the news as we start the fourth and final hour. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Bernie back on Monday. What a great show we've had today from George Napolitano. You are funny, Luke. To Curtis Sliwa to Bill O'Reilly. Tim Tebow will join us at 940. We'll play Beat Sid coming up at 925. Your chance at a $100 gift card courtesy of Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers and a beautiful WABC Barry House Coffee Mug. We'll take a contestant right now. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Opening uh, the phones to you want to talk about anything you've heard today from any one of our three amazing guests about Ukraine, Russia. Curtis yelling about uh, everything from Eric Adams to uh, Frank Morano uh, to the Major League Baseball lockout. Whatever it is you want to talk about, the phones are open the rest of the hour in between Beat Sid and uh, Tim Tebow. I just sent my wife a text. Told her that, uh, you know, she's a big-time attorney, obviously. She does mostly marriages and criminal law, that type of thing. So if you get divorced and indicted, you should call Danielle. But uh, today, the new marijuana licensing regulations are expected to be approved some uh, at some point this afternoon. Something that she's also looking into. Lots of money in that. So I just sent her a text, and she said, love you. Thanks for the info. Yeah, it's um. Listen, it's a uh, no pun intended, but it's a budding business. See what he did there? Did you see what I did? That is a genius, Justin Ellick. A budding business. Did you see That's what I did? Why, That's why he's the boss. Isn't that incredible? Is he the boss? Well, he claims. You know, I've I've heard you say to lose point twice this morning, and I think twice yesterday during the break when people can't hear, and you're like yelling, berating Luke, these other people. I am the boss. Are you the boss? I don't know. Are I, you? I'm the boss. You are. I'm the boss. Isn't Matt Meany the boss? Or, Kurt, or Chad, or well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Matt Meany's my boss. Oh, okay. But like when I'm here and nobody else is here, you're the boss. I'm the boss. Right. Okay. So like, 
you know. I'm glad he's the boss. Why? I'm a, I, I'm I a cool boss. I don't want them coming to me. Oh, right. It's a good point. Right. See? I'm yeah. a cool boss. I'm like yeah, a, a, good, a good boss. He's yeah. a good boss? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm like, of course. I'm like the cool teacher you had in... Uh, wow. Speaking of budding, you could do it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. As long as everybody does their job, right. I won't have to lay down the law. Uh-huh. But, you know. <laughs> well, concentrate on that room in I'm, cap- there. <laughs> I'm capable of doing that as well. You don't want to see me get angry. This is how it always started for Putin. You know that, right? Right, exactly. He was just a regular guy. And then he got, got a little bit of power. Right. Yeah. Are you my boss? Um... Listen, I mean, if, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, that's that's a loaded question. Right. If right. you don't listen to me, I will suspend you. You will suspend me. Right. Okay. But Bernie's in the hospital, so who will host the show? Well, then, then you know, mm. see, that's an interesting question. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get. It's uh, going to be me and Justin hosting the show. Right. I was going <laughs> to say, maybe we'll get me and Frankie Diaz and uh, Diaz with an E, of course. You guys are fun. I would listen to Frank, too. I mean, he seems like a boss. Frank Diaz? Yeah, he seems like a boss. Very smart guy. Very smart. He wears, a, yeah. yep. he wears a blazer over his uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, right. de- you know, uh, I got I got to keep t-shirts. it modern, man. We can't have a newsroom where everybody's wearing ties all I the agree time. With with blazers I'm actually, and you know, I'm actually wearing a tie today for the first time in a very, very long time, only because I'm going to a very fancy lunch this afternoon with John Katsimatidis, my guy, and Chad, and a host of others. But I can't tell you... Who I'm going to see this afternoon because you'll all be mad at me. You but I am wearing a tie. tie you got to button up that top button. Well, I'm not there yet, you dummy. Well, then why is the tie on? Because I could just button up when I get there later. Nah, I still look handsome. It looks ridiculous. It's very it looks ridiculous. colors on today. You look like the drunk uncle at the wedding that yeah. just got up from the exactly. table. Yeah. And he like, shout is yeah. playing. That was me. Yeah, yeah he, he, that was me. Can't take right. the strain on his neck right. anymore. Right. I mean, come on. And the right. tie is loose. Like nine drinks in. It's like it. doing the worm. That's me. You're like Jesse who came in here to play the game yesterday. He wasn't even wearing collar stays. It's like his collar's well, flopping that's all a, over. That is an awful thing. That is. I see. I am very aware of that. Yeah. The collar stays. You need the collar stays. you got to have them. That's right. but, but here's a guy in you that comes to work, for the most part, just like a bum. Stupid <laughs> college T-shirts, baseball shirts. Even your shirt today is stained. And, and now you're giving fashion advice to me, to me, yeah. who just graced the cover of, of a fashion magazine. I have How a, does that happen? Well, I have a very um, fashion-oriented mind. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind but of you how, just use it when you have to. Right. It's kind of how I operate. I don't, I don't uh, implement that. On myself. Right. You don't need to do that. But I will sure. boss other people around, you know, according to my new position because I'm, I'm the boss. Right. You're the boss. Okay. I can I can vouch for Justin with this because he has a Russian girlfriend. And when I was dating this Russian chick yeah. years ago, she was very, uh, you know, very fashion savvy and wanted me to dress more trendy and stuff like so that. So it's about so. the Russians again. Uh, kind of. It always goes back to Putin and the Russians. Blame it's all his fault. <laughs> I <gotta> tell you. <laughs> no matter what, I got a Russian girlfriend. Uh, let's go to Frank, Justin, NYU. You must d- dress better, Justin. <laughs> yeah. I will not let you in the apartment. Well, you know, I mean, there are certain things you won't do to me if I don't. I'm sure. You know. Okay, thanks. I need, need to know that. <laughs> Frank, line one. What's going on, Frankie? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, but are you hearing me? Yeah, you called me. What's going on? Talk to me, Frank. Yes. Yeah, um, I think that we can make Trump a hero, and Trump, if he, you know, with his brains and his efforts. Let me stop for a second. When you say we can make Trump a hero, you do realize that the overwhelming majority of folks that listen to this show on WABC already think he's a hero. So the question for me, so my question to you is, how do you make Trump a hero to the people out there that hate him so much that they even say Biden's doing a good job right now? Exactly. Exactly. Use all his efforts and his, uh, you know, create a small group of intelligence and military to go in and capture and kill uh, with proof of Vladimir Putin. 
uh, the answer to this right now, this history we're living in, is to uh, use all of our efforts. We've got NATO and and the European uh, Union, and I mean, my God, you go after this man, and and you find out where he is, and you put him out, and you stop murdering his murder. There's a distinction between killing and murdering. The the First Amendment, the First Amendment, the the the. Uh, First commandment, or uh, it's thou shall not murder. That was the original in the Bible. We we uh, kill all the time when we have an enemy like Hitler. This is Hitler murdering people that we pledged to, that we would protect them right. once they gave up their nuclear right, thank you, war. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You remember uh, we, we would take these calls, Lou, at uh, FAN years ago. A guy named Jerome from Manhattan. There was... Um, one of his Doris, God rest her soul, from Regal Park. They were, we called them uh, chronics, and they would call the station all the time. I miss Jerome. So do I. <laughs> uh, the greatest call ever was when he called me and Jody. He said, I am done with the Yankees. D-O-E-N, done. What? Hello? D-O-E-N. But, uh, but... I want Barry Bonds! <laughs> I want the Yankees to get Barry Bonds now! But they would get crazy. And then they would they would like kind of veer off of their original point, and it would make for great radio. But you just you couldn't let them stay on the on the on the phone because you just you had no idea where they were going. That was kind of like the last call. He started off great. Let's make Trump a hero. I like that. Let's make people that don't appreciate Donald Trump start to appreciate Donald Trump. I like that. And then there was like a Hitler reference. There was something else. Uh, I think Simon Cowell. I don't know. Did you hear all that? No, I, I actually tuned out. <laughs> yeah, was, you lost him, right? I was listening to Luke talk to his fans on the phone. He's got fans. You know, talking about Simon Cowell, I I, um, I did watch, is it X Factor? Well, what show was he on? Oh, Extreme. Some, um, oh, the show that Howard was on, I mentioned earlier. Yeah, America's Got America's Talent. America's Got Talent. Right. X Factor was in the U.K., right? Oh, that Wasn't was in that? the U.K., yeah, he right. Did right. that one, America's got, America's got Talent is a terrible show. It's terrible. him. It's, um, it's a girl. I don't know who she is. And it's uh, it's some guy who's like a skateboarder. He's like a famous X Games. I swear to God, that it was terrible. So then the other day, I also put on for the first time in a long time American Idol. So I, I like Katy Perry kind of. She's cool. And uh, they've got Lionel Richie, who's just a magnificent talent, but one of the strangest looking guys you've ever seen. And uh, Luke Bryan, I guess he's the third. That's it, Luke yeah. Bryan. And they had this heavy set girl on, right? I'm getting older. I say heavy set, not fat, but she's fat. And uh, she was a yeah, kid. You've changed a lot. You've changed a lot in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Or do you just want us yeah. to hear that? Well, you're, you're like, a, yeah, you're like evolving. Something like, happened to me. I don't know. And uh, she sang two songs, one by Adele, I forget the name of the song, and one by Kelly Clarkson. So here I am, picture this, and you guys know me well enough by now. Bernie, Bernie knows. You guys know it too. I'm watching Katy Perry, Lionel Richie. And Luke Bryan, myself, in my bedroom, is that Sunday night? What night is American Idol? I forget. Maybe it's Sunday night. And I'm hysterical. This girl sang so beautifully. You look at her, she was a mess. I mean a mess. Her clothing was, was tattered. She lost her grandmother, had no parents. Like living in a barn, basically, somewhere in the middle of the country. And when she got up on stage, you're like, this girl's going to be terrible. She was amazing. Amazing. And uh, it was just, it was, a, it was a good 20 minutes of television. I can't believe I'm saying this, but American Idol was a really good 20 minutes of television. Lionel Richie. 
Yeah, Richie Perry and uh, Luke Bryant. It was let, good. Let me, it was very good. Let me you, you, let me you weren't going to go anywhere with that? No. You just, just wanted to you know that. You don't watch The Voice, do you? I don't watch The Voice anymore. I used to. I got annoyed already with the Blake Shelton and uh, who's the kid from uh, Maroon 5? Uh, Adam Levine? Yes. Oh, that, that got predictable and annoying. I was just I telling Claudia that my best friend showed me a video yesterday. Do you know the Cupid Shuffle, the dance you do at a wedding? Yes. So Cupid, the guy who wrote the Cupid Shuffle, went on The Voice. Oh, and, is that right? And performed the Cupid Shuffle. Is that right? And no one turned their chair around. <laughs> Nobody turned around? No one. Uh, you still love that song. That was uh, 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 Stick on the Three Stooges. Yeah, it's it's the best wedding song uh, out there. The Cotton Eye Joe, the electric slide, they can all take a walk. Take a walk. Not what, it, uh, the, 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 what is it called again? The, the Cupid Shuffle. That's the winner. Here is uh, Tommy in Brooklyn on line four. Good morning, Tommy. Good morning, Sid, and everybody else on the show. Listen, uh, I just wanted to say, Floridian Diner in Brooklyn. I know it very well. Fil- Fillmore Avenue by the bus depot. Roger that, Roger that. I used to go to the Red Apple Rest, too, up in New York. You were looking for that one. I yeah, also, that was I it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and, and another diner not far from the, the Floridian Diner, which you just mentioned, which is now out of business, which was really more of a restaurant because it was so pricey, was the King's Plaza Diner, which is uh, by yeah. King's Plaza. And then um, yep. that's a very good one. And there's another place in Brooklyn on Avenue U and around East 16th Street, and it's called Silver Star. Also a diner, but more of a restaurant because it's a bit pricey. Very good. Oh, I'm going to have to check that one. I just wanted to say something. You're on fire today, by the way. Uh, thank you, Tommy. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. You're All right, welcome. take care, Everybody's buddy. Let, let, thank you. Let's go to Tommy in uh, Sarasota. One more call. we got to play Beat Sid, and Tim Tebow is coming on. That's going to be great. Tommy, what's going on, brother? Hey, how are you guys? Good. How are you? I'm doing so good. I have a theory about Russia-Ukraine conflict. I want to see if you agree with me. I probably don't, but go ahead. So here's the thing. I believe who behind it yeah. is the globalist. The globalist. And why? Right, a globalist. Okay. And why are they behind it? Why? Because if Russia successful and take over Ukraine, what happens is the borders all change. Okay. If the borders change, who make the money? The globalists. Okay. Because every map, every globe in this country have to be reprinted. Okay. And all the all the classrooms in the world gonna have to buy new globes. No, listen. <laughs> Funny, but um, you know, I think there is something to that above and beyond the madness of Vladimir Putin. I, I know, I know, he's trying to be funny, or if he's trying to the, the very end there, the globes and all that. But there is something to the quote unquote globalists. But this one is, is um, I believe, exclusively on the insanity of one Vladimir Putin. We will play Beat Sid next. We got Skip and Stanford ready to play. We'll take more of your phone calls. And then Tim Tebow is coming up at 940. You don't want to change this channel. More of Bernie and Sid on a Thursday morning right after this. Now. It's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. Call Will peeking at the questions. It's not allowed. All right, we're back here again, another uh, special edition. <laughs> Are you okay? The beat. <laughs> am, am I all right? Yeah, I'm just asking, making sure. Yeah, I'm fine. Are okay. you okay? No, you're looking all around like, you know, you got somebody behind you. Or... Uh, do I? No. I'm scared. You're fine. You're I'm fine. scared. I feel like I'm in, like, one of those horror movies. You're the boss. What could happen? Exactly. 
They're not going to come after me. All right, uh, so we'll do the same thing we did yesterday. We got a we got an interim plan to game. First off, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Check them out at peerlessspoilers.com and paviliontechless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Spoilers, America's best built boilers. I am Justin Alec. I'll be your host for the game today. Tim Tebow coming up at 940. We're all very excited for that. On the phone to win the prize, if Will... Uh, surprises us all, Will being the intern, our intern uh, contestant today. If he surprises us all and happens to win the game, which would be miraculous, a miracle of some sorts. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's confidence. You're really yeah. laying into him, huh? Wow. Um, right. We've got Skip in Wilton, Connecticut. Skip, what's going on, big guy? Uh, n- nothing much. Waiting to get my free coffee. Now, I just called you a big guy. Would you say you're big in size? Uh, I wish. No, I'm not. Oh. How tall are you? <laughs> Uh, 5'7". Okay. That's all right. Yeah. Listen, uh, so is, look, yeah. Little, little guys can get it done, too. I, I'm, I'm staring at uh, Lou, Lou Rufino over here. Look at Napoleon. Napoleon. Good. What you know, happened to him? Uh, well, I, he, yeah, I've yeah. often... Okay, he, I, he I, ruled half the world. Yeah, okay. well, he okay. wasn't necessarily a good guy. All right, fine, I'll work on it. Hey, Skip's right. a great guy. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down, Lou. Write that down. <laughs> Napoleon <laughs> equals not a good guy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Cowboy boots would help me. Yeah, it, well, big time, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so we, we're going to throw Skip on hold here. Um, Skip will win the prize, like I had mentioned, if Will happens to win. Will, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Get a little closer to that microphone. Really stick it in your face. If you will? <laughs> um, so uh, how long have you been in- interning over here? Uh, this is my sixth week. Sixth week? Yeah. You like it so far? I love it. You want to work here? Hell yeah. They, they offer you a job yet? What year are you in uh, school? Uh, I'm a junior. Okay. So you've yeah. got another year. Yeah. You do the year of school, and then, mm-hmm. and then you'll come back here. You'll crawl back here. Oh, we'll see. And then you'll beg for a job. Exactly. Okay. Wait until you leave, Justin. This is what he told me. Oh. Well, I'm not going anywhere. So you're stuck with me. Oh. Uh, How does that sound? That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Okay. You're not that bad. You're going to have to witness some more, I think. Yeah. What's your uh, major over there? Where do you go to school? I go to Fordham. Okay. In the Bronx. Wow. The Rams. Yeah, Rams, baby. It's just the Rams, right? It's not like the fighting Rams or no, the... No. Or the uh, so that's a good mascot. I mean, they, they bang their head into stuff on purpose, so I guess yeah. that's kind of what you do. Yeah, I mean, right. when I'm not here, that's basically what I do. All right, let's play the game. You ready right. to go? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Number one, Danny, Joey, and Jesse take care of three girls in what 90s family sitcom? Uh, is it uh, Friends? Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax should be Jesus. Not a bad guess. There's a Joey in Friends. Yeah, that's what I was There's no Danny or Jesse. Not that oh, I watch. Oh. I, I, don't, I don't watch Full Friends. House. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> too late. It's too late, huh? Uh, Full House would Full be the house, correct yeah. answer. That's a, you know, the opposite of empty house. All right, two. You ready? Yep. In the 2018 NFC Divisional Round, we witnessed the Minneapolis Miracle when Vikings quarterback Case Keenum threw a game-clinching touchdown pass against the New Orleans Saints to what receiver? Uh, was it was it Justin Jefferson? Wrong, you two-legged back of anthrax should be Jesus. Oh, it was uh, Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Darn. Yeah. All right, we're not going to give it to him. Like that's you, you're the boss. We're not going to give it to no, him. No, no. Of course not. No, the sit effect. You said the right answer the wrong answer. After the right, right, exactly. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Stefan Diggs. Uh, Justin Jefferson was still in college, I believe. Let's predict yeah, Sid's right. reaction. I got to give it to him. I, 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 I. All right. Well, and that's the, that's the great Lou, Lou Rufino. <laughs> <What> a, <laughs> having an episode. <laughs> he's, having, he's, he's got the Napoleon complex. So and that's what a mental breakdown yeah. two weeks into your job looks like. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number, number three, let's bounce back. Come on. Here we go. 
I Kissed a Girl, Last Friday Night, and Roar are all number one hit songs by what artist? Uh, Katy Perry. Hey! Easy one. Yeah. If you listen to Katy Perry. Yeah. I... You, you listen to Katy Perry. Love her. I, I love her, too. Oh, how can you not? Yeah. What, you're going to say you didn't listen to her? What's the one? No. No, no I just don't watch Friends. I don't know. What's the one where she's jumping around all the candy and, and all that stuff? Half a half California girls? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, no. so you really li- a, No, no, no. no? Okay. But you, really, you really listen to Katie. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Great Mike Green. All right, number four. One for three thus far. Yep. In 2008, what NBA team relocated to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder? Uh, the Seattle Supersonics. Very good. Two for four. Three for five would be a nice showing. Here we go. Mm. This one's tough. In 2018, the final two remaining captains in Major League Baseball retired. Name one. In what year was that? 2018. 2018. Was it uh, Derek Jeter? Wrong, you two-legged back of anthrax should be Jesus. Mm. Go no. again. Go again. Uh, uh, one was a Met and one was a Texas Ranger. Right. Oh, was it was Josh Hamilton one? Oof. Man. Man. Nelson Cruz? No. No, no, no. no. I don't know. I'm not a baseball Just stop. guy. Just stop, stop, stop playing behind me. Yeah. No. Stop. No. Stop. No. stop. We love you. Stop, stop uh, guessing. No. Uh, David Wright and Adrian Beltre. Yeah. The last two captains. So, all right. right. Two for five ain't bad. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, you know, it's not terrible. Stop that. It's better than uh, Stop that. one, I guess. Come on. No, you got you to gotta be Look confident. Up. Look you up. Be All right, I'll own the loss. Yourself. I'll own the loss. Sorry for not getting you your free coffee out there, uh, my friend. But hey, we don't know yet. It's Listen, we got this doofus yeah. running back in here. He's he could easily go over five. He's checking his phone every two minutes in the hall. He does not even, doesn't even he has know. No idea no what's idea. going on. So my brother-in-law, Albert Baker, checks oh, in. Here we go. Here we go. I'm sorry. Checks. I'm still the host of the show last night. I hate to break up your uh, little party here. Like, I mean, the game's taking 45 minutes. What are you talking and, about? Uh, <laughs> well, again, where are you going? Yeah. My brother-in-law, Albert, checks in. He said it, uh, the diner on Avenue U and East 16th, and he's right, is not the Silver Star Diner. It's Three Star. And I had to make that correction because I've gone there many, many times. It's a wonderful place. Albert and Ray Sherry, I love you both. Three Star Diner in Brooklyn on Avenue U, not... Silver Star. Silver Star is the meat shop, which is down Nostrand Avenue and closer to Sheepshead Bay. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, what's keeping it from being the five star diner? I two stars. If I had to guess, it would be uh, <laughs> it would be the corned beef ash. There you go. Yeah. All right, you ready to play the game? How do you do? God. He uh, went two for five. Okay. So you got to get three right to win. Okay. You think you could do it? I don't care. I can't wait to talk to Tim Tebow. This game for me is at this point become an impediment. Really? Yes. It's so, that much sorry. of a burden. Yeah. <laughs> really sorry yeah. about Sorry that. to burden you. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know. Okay, here we go. You ready? Let's start the game. Number one. Danny, Joey, and Jesse take care of three girls in Full what? house. Bob Saget's dead. You have to let me finish the question. Why? Because if you don't let me finish the question, you just want airtime so badly you want to say every word. I have word. to finish the question. If you don't let, if, if but you, did I get it wrong? You cut off like Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. No, you get you d- disqualified. On, you no, know you got it right. True, right. So then, okay. what what is the difference whether I cut you off? There's no real difference. You, you just, just want to say it's every the word. You want every second of airtime. It's air time. the principle. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, number two. I'm getting very jealous. In the 2018 NFC Divisional Round, we, we witnessed the Minneapolis miracle when Vikings quarterback Case Keenum threw a game-clinching touchdown pass. Against the New Orleans Saints to what receiver? Well, I got to think about that. Uh, I remember the play. Yeah, we all do. Oof, this is tough. It could be the guy that's now in Buffalo. They're big time wide receiver. 
Could be. He, he went to Buffalo. Could be. It's not Sidney Rice. Nope. The guy in Buffalo, what the hell is his name? Mm. It's Josh Allen's go-to guy. That's the guy. That's it's the got guy. feeling it's the other guy. You're the sports guy. Okay, yeah. great. Son of a gun. Give us yeah, something. You got it. <laughs> I'm not going to get it right, but what are his initials? I didn't get it right, but what's the initials? SD. 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 It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh. What does a shovel do? It digs. Stefan digs. I didn't get it right, though. No. One for two. Okay. Yeah, Thanks one for, for two. Thanks for clarifying that. Thanks. Well, I mean, you know who he is, so that's good, I guess. I Kissed a Girl, Last Friday Night, and Roar are all number one hit songs by what artist? I Kissed a Girl, Last Friday Night, and what else? No, no. No, no. There's two two songs. I Kissed a Girl is one song. All right. Last Friday Night is another song. I was just talking about it. That's so weird. Katy Perry. I love Katy Perry. We all love love Katy Perry. Will loves Katy Perry. Yeah. All right. In 2008, what NBA team relocated to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder? That would be, um, oh, my guy, Sean Kemp and Jack Sigma, Gus Johnson, the yep. Seattle Supersonics. Boom. All right, so you've won the game. I won the game? How does it feel? I don't know. It feels like I still have to pay you the same amount of money to go on the subway, the same amount of money to uh, pay my mortgage, and um, yeah, I have to rub that same ointment on my crotch, or the rest goes What's that? Hey, we, now? We know that. What did you say? <laughs> ointment on the crotch. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. That was not one of the questions. What's the last question? In 2018, the final two remaining captains in Major League Baseball retired. Name one. Yankee captains? No. Just captains in Major League Baseball in 2018. There has not been a captain in baseball since 2018. No. Wow. I no, got to go with, I guess Jeter's got to be one. No. I said that. When did Jeter yeah. retire? I think it was 2016. I don't remember. What you, oh, it was, 2016? No, yeah. it was 2014 Jeter retired. Oh, has it been wow. that long wow. Jeez. So I got it wrong, but uh, give me some hints. I got it wrong, but that's fine. All right. Um, I'll give you the same hint I gave uh, Will. Okay. One, one was a Met, and one was a Texas Ranger. One was a Met? Yeah. And a Texas R- Gonzalez? No. Wrong, you two-legged back. Uh, you know the Met. Come on. The New York Met, but it would have been uh, uh, Piazza? No, no. It was uh, way at the mic. Oh, uh, I don't, oh, David Wright. David Wright. Hey. Right. But the Ranger guy... Um, I don't even know. Adrian Beltre. Oh, my God. Those are good questions. Yeah. All right, so like three that? to two is the final score. I win. You win. So the kid gets nothing? Well, the kid wouldn't get anything anyway. Oh. So it would go to Skip in Walton, Connecticut. Oh. Skip, uh, Skip, you there? I am. I'm, um, I'd much rather have to compete with Bernie because the questions you ask him actually matter. <laughs> I mean, the pop yeah, you know, the it's pop funny you say that. Are you it, kidding it, me? It depends whether what your, what your definition of matter is. I mean, we always fall into that trap that, like, the history stuff, the presidential stuff, that's important. Yeah. I would tell you right now, Katy Perry matters a heck of a lot more than Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> that's a, but but well, I could I be wrong. These, Bernie, you don't think these questions are more geared towards your aptitude, aptitude versus Bernie's? Well, no, they, they, they purposely write the game that way because, you know, Bernie's more yeah. historical and I'm more of a, of a diverse, I like everything. So, you yeah, know, that, that is not by accident. They do write the game that way. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you, you for you playing. Think you could be. Could you be Bernie? In in which in which version? No. In in real categories. I mean, real stuff that matters. What do you mean like real? I, cat- I don't know what that means. You mean the game that yeah, he I plays? Mean, I mean, who? Ca- I mean, come on, uh, Katy Perry. I mean, come on, please. I, I don't understand please. your point. I don't get your point. No, no my point. I, is I, I would. That- I would. If I had to name Millard Fillmore, who's completely uh, irrelevant today, then I would lose. Yes, but he's irrelevant. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. Well, well, okay. So. Was, he, was he on TV Sunday night with five million viewers? Well, he's irrelevant. Uh, well, thank, you, thank, just, thank you for the call. Yeah, I, I would yeah, lose bye-bye. to I, I would lose to Bernie. 
All right, that'll make you happy. I would lose to Bernie. Okay. I mean, he's got his thing. I've got mine. That's why that's why the show works. But to say that you know this stuff doesn't matter or it's who cares, that's uh, that's silly. That's silly. Hey, everybody. I I, I hate those two words. Thank you for the call. Uh, I hate those two words. Who cares? I hate that. Well, listen. I mean, Katy Perry has had a large impact on. Our oh, society as Americans and there's millions of little girls running uh, around town right now. They all now. want to be Katy Perry, well, of course. and, and she's I mean, like, you got also. There's a reason we played Beat Sid today and not Beat Bernie, right? Because yeah. Bernie's not here, right? But regardless, it's not like the game when Bernie's here is more important because you're talking about history or presidents. That's his thing. He's great at it, and certainly history does present an important part of our culture. But to say that's all that matters because you don't watch modern-day television or you don't care about Katy Perry, that's just silly. And and people do that all the time. They go, Th- those tours, who cares? We actually, uh, before Tim Tebow comes on, Millard Fillmore is actually calling in. So we'll, is that right? We'll talk to him at 940. Right. right. I mean, well, this guy probably doesn't care about Tim Tebow. In the meantime, I have to tell you, Tim Tebow has millions and millions of fans. Millions. And what did he do? He played for the Jets. He played for the Mets. He's on Good One of the America. greatest playoff wins in NFL history. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Very inspiring. You don't think so? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. You can see by his face he doesn't think so. Very inspiring. Well, so. <laughs> ah, Bruce Springsteen. Glory days. Tim Tebow played baseball. You know, listen, I've been around this business for a long time. 20 plus years. Working with Imus. And others, starting a little bit. And we've interviewed just about everybody. Presidents, celebrities, athletes. I mean, just about everybody. And I'm always asked, well, who have you not interviewed? That's a stupid, lame question, you know. And I have to tell you, as lame as the question is, I've got a guy on the phone right now that I've always wanted to talk to. And not because he played with the Jets or the Mets, which is all great, but because of just the person he is. I find him to be so interesting. And his name is Tim Tebow. And he's got a brand new book out. And it's titled Mission Possible, Go Create a Life That Counts. So I could wipe this one off the bucket list of radio interviews. Here he is, making his debut on the Bernie and Sid in the morning show, Tim Tebow. Timmy, good morning, pal. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we can check it off the list. Let's go. <laughs> well, I mean it. You know, I heard you I watched you, I should say. I'm friends with Craig Carton, Evan, those guys the other day, and great interview, Jets and Mets and all that stuff. But, but, but when I hear you talking about, for example, the work you've been doing with uh, folks in Africa, you know, I am a, a part of a, uh, a charity down in Florida which gives money towards ending human trafficking young girls and all of the prayer that goes into your daily life. To me, that's the Tim Tebow that people have grown to love, not necessarily the quarterback that won championships in Florida, Denver Broncos, Jets and Mets. That's the guy that a lot of people are inspired, are inspired to be. And that's the book, right, Timmy? Well, it, it, we do talk a lot about it in the book. And, and really the, the heart of the book is to encourage every single person to really look outside of themselves of how they can make a difference in the world and how they can help people that are all around them, whether that's the corner of the street or the corner of the world. And, and yes, one of my biggest passions and callings is to be able to fight for those that are in this terrible, terrible world of human trafficking. And unfortunately, there are 40.3 million people that are stuck in it right now as we're talking here this morning. And you know, we just got back from Africa a few days ago, and we, you know, fortunate enough to open another campus for girls who are being trafficked there. And and 
and rescuing different different babies that are being thrown away and starting another hospital there. But, you know, this is something that, um, that we're going to need an army of people to step into this fight to be able to push back what we believe is one of the greatest evils in the world today. And, um, you know, it is something I could go on and on about, but this isn't something that just happens in, in third world countries around the world. It's something that's happening in our backyard. And actually, um, you know, a little over two thirds of the of the money that's put into the trafficking world comes from the U.S. Wow. So I know. There's a, a lot of things that we not only need to. Um, to look outward, how we can help around the world, but how we can change things right here as well. Well, there's no doubt. Florida, Texas, those states I know spend a lot of time. Florida specifically talking about these things. Anywhere where the borders allow for opportunity to, to bring people uh, in and out, make it, uh, make it even more tempting for some of these folks, Tim Tebow. You know, look, you're a guy that people love to hate. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand why. I know why. People are just jealous. That's the way people are. Uh, for some reason, your faith over the years, the fact that, hey, listen, if you throw a bad pick, if you strike out in a big spot, you can rely on Jesus to help you get through it, and it doesn't mean all that much. For some reason, people love to hate you and specifically attack your Christianity, your faith. What is that all about? Well, um, you know, I, I think... Um it's always hard to speculate on on why it's something, but I will say there's there's um, you know something that I, I did quite a while ago to try to I think um, cope with it even more. And, and one of those um, encouraging quotes that I was reading a book by Winston Churchill in a time in his life when most of the world um, couldn't stand him. The allies allies thought he's going to lose the war, and the rest of the world hated him because they were on the other side. And he writes. Um, if you have enemies, good. It means you stood for something at least once in your life. And wow. I think, you know, unfortunately, we live in a, in a society that is so afraid of of disagreement and so afraid of of um, you know, it's, it's hard for people to go in the same room right now in so many places and to be able to truly be honest because they're afraid they're just going to disagree. And if you disagree, then you're going to get canceled. Then you're going to get crushed. And when did disagreements become the worst thing? Listen, my dad is my greatest hero, my biggest role model. And if we get in the same room, we're going to disagree about a certain thing, about certain things. And that's okay. I think we need to understand there are disagreements. That's not the worst thing. And I, but I think because we live in a society that is all about likes, it's all about clicks, it's all about how many people will like me on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, or whatever it is, on LinkedIn. And, and it's all about the verses, all about respect. I think if we were, you know, encouraging people, hey, on this post, how many people respect what I'm doing? How many people respect this? I think it would be a much different society when it's all about licks, likes that comes and goes. You know, that's going to be something that you're going to get. Hey, if I post something that a lot of people, um, that's, that's really that's funny, you're going to get a lot of likes. But if you post something someone might disagree with, they're not going to like you. And all of a sudden, it, that comes and goes. And I think we're... we're we're teaching young people in a society that, hey, we need to be swayed and we need to change to fit in, to be more liked by whatever we people think is, is the trend in that moment versus how can we earn people's respect in a long-term way because respect is hard to earn, but it's also going to last a lot longer than liked. And I think that was something that really early on in my time at Florida, I really tried to make a mental, emotional, spiritual switch from, from being liked to being respected because I'm naturally a people pleaser. And people are like, what? That's not really. But yes, I'm truly a naturally a people pleaser. I want to make people laugh. I want to make people smile. I want to have a great time with people. And I started to early on when I started to get 
on the national level of getting criticized, I went to my dad and I was like, Dad, I, I just, if, if they just got to know me, if they just talked to me, they would like me. Right. And he looked at me and said, they would, Timmy. They really would. They would like you. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that, that they don't actually want to get to know you because they don't want to like you. And it was a, a, you know, after that, it was this big switch that I made of really trying to focus more on the respect than the likes. Well, you're right about that, Tim Tebow. The book is Mission Possible. You're a likable kid. You're a cute guy, great-looking great guy, in great shape. You're a professional athlete, Good Morning America, Disney, all that stuff. And it's hard not to like you, but, again, uh, people are so miserable, so many in this society today that they find a reason. You mentioned the Florida days. So my daughter, Timmy, is looking to go to college now. She's looking at schools in London. She's looking at schools in California. She did apply to Gainesville. And I said, Florida's a great school. And she said, why, Daddy? I said, because Tim Tebow and Chris Leak won championships there. And she said, that's great, but who the hell is Tim Tebow? But on a serious note, you guys, that was a heck of a run you guys had at Florida with Urban Meyer those two years. That was a uh, really a beautiful period for Florida Gator football. It was. It was. We were very fortunate, too, um, to be able to have a lot of success and and that was a, a really special time. And, you know, so many great players that I had the chance to play with. And, and, and you know, you look at so many of those uh, teams that we, we were on and it just had so, so many athletes and so many great players. Unfortunately, we were able to capitalize with some, uh, with some hardware as well, as well. Well, this year you had the chance, Timmy, to reunite with your old coach. And to be honest, as much as I love you, it didn't go well for either one of you. You try to come back as a tight end. You missed a block. That became headline news. And your old coach, uh, Urban Meyer, was fired in pretty embarrassing fashion. What are your thoughts on what went down in Jacksonville this year between you and uh, with you and your old coach? Yeah, I think I think that's pretty fair to say, as it didn't necessarily go great for either one of us. but. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, right after I got cut, I remember going home and, um, and, and seeing my, my wife who's awesome. And she's, I'm just so fortunate, um, to have such an amazing, um, wife and, and life partner and seeing the three dogs and she's trying to be encouraging and everything. And, and honestly, I'm kind of sulking a little bit, a little bit upset, bitter, envious, jealous, all of these things. And, and then that's right when everything started to, to happen in, Af- in Afghanistan. And, you know, so I, I rush over to the foundation headquarters. We're talking through it. And a few hours later, I find myself on, on a plane to the, to the Middle East where wow. we're, you know, helping with, with, with people and, and evacuees and, um, and refugees. And all of a sudden, you know, um, even in a, in a terrible situation, a heartbreaking situation, um, I find so much more fulfillment and purpose than I had a day before when I was, you know, uh, a tight end. And and honestly, I got to say, I I was super grateful, really. And I was honestly the first on the the flight over, I was really is the first time I really got to say, God, thank you for letting me be cut. Because I knew um, flying over on a couple of those planes to some of the places I was fortunate enough to go and serve and help and help try to get people to, to safety that man if I was if I was playing right now I would be doing something that is so less important than mm. what I had the chance to do no, no, no doubt it's not ultimately what I'm called it's not what I'm called to do and you know it's crazy because 
you know, when I'm there and I'm at the house, I'm sulking and I'm, because the focus was on me. It was what I didn't get, what I should have got, all these things that is all focused on me. And that's really what Mission Possible is about, is about when we take the focus off of us and we put it on other people, is we think that we're going to have less and it's just not true. We're going to have more, more peace, more fulfillment, more joy, more hope, a, a brighter life, in my opinion, because it doesn't necessarily – it's hard to understand, but actually the more we give to people, the more we truly have. And, and, you know, I even shared a little bit about that, about, you know, taking that flight and going over to the Middle East and being in places where there, people have nothing. And uh, the trash piles are bigger than the buildings. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so uh, such a hard time. But, you know, when you know that you're called to something and you're in a place that – uh, might not have been the day before where I wanted to be or where I thought I was going to be or where I'd have joy in. I knew God had a bigger plan than I had for my life at that time, and I was so grateful. Even though it was disappointing to get cut, I knew, and I was so grateful for it. I was actually could say, thank you for letting me get cut, because now I'm, I'm in, I know I'm in a place where I'm supposed to be. What a beautiful sentiment. My friend Joe just sent me a text, quote, this is the type of guy we want our daughters to marry. He's exactly right, but you're already married. So, uh, but, but, but that's such a beautiful sentiment, what you just said, exactly. What happened in Afghanistan, so devastating, so heartbreaking, so much more important. I want to do one on the Jets and the Mets and then wrap it up. Okay, Timmy, quickly here. Uh, Denver Broncos, you want a playoff game. You come to the Jets. Mark Sanchez is here. Bill Parcells is here. The Jets are, uh, Rex Ryan, I should say, excuse me. Uh, They're enjoying some success. Things go crazy. They're not enjoying so much success. And again, Tim Tebow seems to be at the center of the blame when the Jets start going backwards after consecutive AFC championship appearances. Unfair, but that was the case. How do you feel about that? All right, very cool to Tim Tebow to call back. Have about three minutes. Timmy, thank you for doing that. I, just, I brought up the Jets. I brought up the of Mets. Of course. I don't, know what, I don't know what happened. I guess that, you know, people were trying to cut us off as our, our first time, and they want to try to cut us off, <laughs> man. No, no. We no, can't no, let no, it happen. Not us. If you're talking about Afghanistan and all that stuff, you're in the right place, Tim. Trust me. But quickly, like a minute and a half on your New York experience, the Jets, which eventually didn't go great, but fine. The Mets, where you gave it a game shot. And uh, a lot of Met fans like myself wanted to see you actually play with the big league team. But I appreciate the trials and tribulations and the travel and all the nonsense you had to go through just to be a major league player. What about your professional stint, football and baseball, here in New York? Well, I tell you, I honestly, I love it. You know, I think, um, obviously, it didn't go the way that I wanted with the the Jets or the way that we hoped. Um, but, you know, it was it was definitely a rocky year. But I think oh, the one thing I would say is one of the best parts was just the fans. You know, I was asking about it the other day, and I said, you know, I think the Jets fans are some of the more loyal fans probably in the game because um, they haven't necessarily always had that much root for it, yet they still show up. And, and, and that's been really cool to see and um, still have some great relationships from, from that time. And then the Mets, honestly, I, I loved, you know, every part of it from – the tryouts from, you know, low A through triple A and, you know, the highs, the lows, it was just, I think there's a lot of people that couldn't understand it. How can you go from NFL quarterback to low A minor league baseball? Well, just, you know, when you love something, you want to pursue it and you want to just pursue your passions. And I didn't want to be defined by what the world wanted me to do, but what I was passionate about. And it was something that I enjoyed every step of the way. And, um, whether that's from the GMs I had or the ownership or everybody there, you know, I'm still friends with so many of those people to this day, and it's just great relationships. And, um, you know, and I still want to be able to support however I can. 
that's humility. That's part of the makeup of you, Tim Tebow. That's part of the reason why you're such a special person. You can do that. People can't do that. NFL quarterback to a minor league baseball player, but you've got that humility. The book is Mission Possible. Go create a life that counts. This was a great conversation. 60 seconds to go, Tim. For people out there, young guys, young girls out there that love you, and a lot of us do, and want to be the next Tim Tebow, what is your advice? Uh, what do you tell, tell people in the book to optimize their potential? Well, my advice is that um, you have been, been given a mission. You have a purpose. Your purpose is not just about success. It's not just about money, fame, and power, but your success. Success can be more than that. It can be about significance, about making a difference in people's lives. Every single one of us has a chance to truly make the world a better place, and I don't mean that by slogans and hashtags. I mean that by actions, by words, by deeds. Every single one of us has a chance to truly do that. And in this book, we talk about the the high principles of it, but we also, also talk about the practical of taking the next step, of actually doing something, of truly living a life to make your life count, about finding your mission, pursuing your purpose, and going to truly create a life that counts. And I believe when you do that, you create a bolder, brighter, more fulfilling um, life, you know, one mission-driven moment at a time. Tim, you were fantastic today. Best of luck with the book, Mission Possible. Go create a life that counts. You truly are inspirational. Great guy. And uh, thank you for hopping on the Bernie and Sid show today. God bless you, pal. Thank you. God bless you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully we do it again. All right, man. Hopefully you come to New York and uh, stop by the studio. That is the great Tim Tebow. We are out of time for today. Thank you to Justin Ellick, Luke Lograno, Lou Rafino, Jacqueline Carl, Frankie Diaz with an E, Deb Valentine, Claudia, everybody. Brian Kilmeade is coming up next. We're back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, from all of us to all of you, enjoy your sunny Thursday in New York. Thanks, Tim Tebow. Peace! Baby.